Thanks for tuning into the Make Time podcast. My guest today is the talented filmmaker Levi Allen. I first met Levi a couple months back when he was helping Casey shoot and edit a few of his videos. Um, and today we chat about how he got started and how he ended up working with Casey Neistat and what's in the near future for him. I hope you all enjoy. Mini somewhere? What's that connected to? Yeah, the Mac Mini's right here. Oh, look at that. Fancy. Yeah, man. Fancy. Um, so, I mean, we're not live or anything, but we're just yeah. recording. Because normally I do like a live stream yeah. with these podcasts. And it's just last minute. I was like, all right, it's all good. I'll just do the audio and then just even record it on a on an SD card. Do you chop? Do you chop any sections out? It's just straight roll. No, just straight roll. Joe Rogan style. Yeah, man. I, I just really like the whole... Um, just unedited unedited format of like mm-hmm. conversations i just think it's really uh it's 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 very different from youtube and everybody's like everything's so edited these days mm-hmm. you know what i mean like everything's edited curated and everybody wants it to look one way or appear a certain way right and i'm just really really into the whole like like dude this is what we're talking about this is me this is you and it is what it is yeah but Levi, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the podcast, dude. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. This is <laughs> this is a lot of fun. I love love chatting with you. It's it's such a short notice thing, but um, the reason why I still went ahead and made sure to make it happen was because I know you're not gonna be here for that long. Yeah, and I'm always like, fuck, you're always just in and out real quick of New York, and it always blows my mind how like um, how fast creators come in and out of places. Right. This is like one of those hubs that everyone is here at some point in the year and then depending on how long they actually stay yep it's like so many people come in and through constantly yeah and um so just so you know there's like no even like i don't even have a script or anything or like notes pinpoints yeah bullet points and i just want to have a i've just actually been dying to have a conversation with you and just even like how you how you even got to 368 and how we even crossed paths because i thought that was a i was like oh shit who's this guy oh it's levi awesome and then like how did you even get there you yeah know what i mean or how'd you even get started on um on like your whole video creation path right yeah, like so the if, beginning yeah if you could even just like walk me through that and just just let me know how how you got to where you are today yeah i i'm just i'm a really curious person and have tons of interests yeah dude on your instagram i just i love i love your stories where i just see you like welding <laughs> right and, and building things and, yeah dude it's 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 interesting that you're really hands-on with stuff and I'm just fascinated with things like that. So I kind of expect like, that was my assumption is that I would do something hands-on probably for my job. Cause it was pretty obvious that I was always kinesthetic. Like I loved gear and touching things. And, um, like when I was a kid, I was really into rock climbing. Like the rock climbing part was cool, but the carabiners and the webbing, like that was the, the mm-hmm. thing that I fantasized about and thought about, like I saved my allowance to go buy like a single carabiner. Like that was the thing that I did because so, I just loved the gear. When did you start um, mountain, uh, rock climbing? So that would have been, I had a tough time in school, like all throughout. So basically from, from the, from the young days all the way up until high school, like I just had a, I had a real hard time in school. And so in grade four, I asked, uh, I basically pleaded with my mom, like, can you just pull me out of school for a year and homeschool me? Like, Cause this is something that she, she's actually a teacher. So she, she could pull this off, but I mean, she's busy being a mom. And 
I somehow convinced her that this was a worthwhile thing to do. And uh, so I spent the fourth grade uh, homeschooled in California. And my uh, one of my mom, one of our close friends, uh, he was a rock climbing instructor kind of guy at the local high school. And somehow this connection was made where I would go over there for like two hours a week and he would just like show me stuff with rock climbing ropes and it was awesome. Wait, so you're, are you from California or Yeah, that's the, that's the trippy part. So I'm born in Canada. Got it. My mother's American and my dad's Canadian and they met at school in the States. And so for five years when I was younger, uh, we lived down in California. So in between five and 10 years old. Got it. Which having my, my younger years segmented in kind of these little chunks. So it's like one to five, five to 10. I'm surprised in retrospect how much I can remember from those little chunks. Yeah. And also just how aware I was. Well, how aware I thought I was at that age and how much I can. So it changes my perspective now when I think of like a 10 year old or even an eight year old, I think they can't have that many hopes and dreams or, but man, when I was like eight or 10, like there was a lot of things that I thought I wanted to do and I was like striving for. But thankfully when I was homeschooled that year, I kind of, someone who became a mentor for me that year was a rock climber and he actually led like rock climbing trips for the local outdoor high school. And he took me along on those trips as this homeschooled like fourth grader and uh, let me be a junior staff member. And I just like loved, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I've been rock climbing, I think just once. And I like, I know how to belay and like, yeah. do the figure eight knot yeah. for the carabiner. And, but yeah, so 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 then you, you somehow convince your mom to homeschool you, which I think is a ballsy move. <laughs> For a fourth, for any fourth grader, <laughs> to even just even have that idea of like, hey, I'm gonna try to convince my mom to do this. Yeah. And so, so then, how do you get into into video and filmmaking? Right. So that kind of fascination with gear related things continued up. I, I eventually stopped rock climbing when we moved from California. And so fast forward into like middle school, high school. That's the stage where I've had like a dozen and one interests that at any given point I thought, Hey, maybe I could do this. Like I used to think I was going to be a pro athlete. I was delusional. I was like, no, I was I'm, like, what, what sport could I do that I could go pro at? That was like the dream at the time. What, 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 what sport did so, you want to go pro at? I snowboarded once and then I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to become a pro snowboarder. Dude, I was I like, I'm going to do it. It's I love, so dude. I love, it's like my second season. I fell in love with it last season. I remember thinking I could be in the 2010 Olympics. Like I, that's how stupidly overconfident I was as a, as a young kid. I just, I did with these solo, I was never great at team sports. So like the coordination yeah. thing and working with others has always been like, I'm just, I'm a little quirky. And so me too. when I get on the, when I get into these team sport environments, I'm, it's hard for me to hold back my intensity and it's not backed up by skill. <laughs> and and that's a that's a bad place to be as a as a team sport athlete when you're trying to like bring all this energy, but then you literally drop the ball. So I was gravitated to all, all these like single person sport things. Like I bought kites to learn how to kiteboard. I was into mountain bike, like all these single person sports, uh, mostly gear related. So that I had interests in these areas and I was trying to think of a career I could do that would allow me to just do them. Or like, hey, I in my week, I can go mountain biking, snowboarding. I, I wanted to be able to craft a life where that was possible. Yeah. And right around that time, uh, I mean, my friends, we would just watch so many biking videos. And I grew up watching snowboard videos on the way to the local hill. 
me and my buddies, we'd like open up a little DVD player and put it in between the seats yes. and like watch these snowboard movies with these segments put to music. And so watching videos like that, I always had this sense of like, I could figure out how to make that. Got it. And, and foolishly that sense is, I don't know if that was like encouraged into me by my parents. Like when I think back on it, they never, whenever I said these things like, Hey, I want to go to the Olympics or something like that. They never said, uh, like, that's impossible. Like, get your head out of your butt. Like, you're just a kid. You don't, you don't actually know. And maybe they should have some of the things that I said. But I've always had the sense that if I applied myself to, to learning a skill set, I could probably get moderately good at it quickly. Like, I might yeah. not go pro at it, but I've started, I started to realize, hey, I could learn how to do these things if I just, like, applied myself full at it. Yeah, and, like, took the time and like really paid attention and put focus in it and put effort in it. Yeah. And, but one of the themes is there was all these different ideas. So it was like dabbling here, dabbling there. And so I remember thinking, watching these videos, there's a, so there's a bike, there's a biking website, the biggest one in the world. It's called pinkbike.com. Like if you're a mountain okay. biker, you know about this website. And one of the things that they did on this website was every day they would do what they called a video of the day or VOD. And so that's the shortened acronym. So all the mountain bikers and mountain biking video makers would go like getting a VOD is like, is like the, the, the staff pick on Vimeo of the mountain bike world before even staff picks, I think were a thing. Yeah. So I grew up watch, there was someone in my hometown who had like gotten a video of the day and my friends were all like, man, this the cinematography is amazing. What year is this? This would have been like 2010, 2009. Okay. Okay. So I would have been 15 or 16. Got it. Um, and I remember watching it and being like, okay, it's good, but it's like, it's not that good. And I, I do, I do that sometimes. And I, where I like look at stuff other people are doing and I just get judgy and I'm like, it's not that hard. And, and I, I eventually realized I can't say that unless I actually try to do it myself. Got it. Like you're, you're kind of like being a critic without yeah. like the experience. I'm just or... observing from the stands and just like, yeah, just talking shit. And I don't actually know. I had like, cause frankly, I'd never made a video that was cinematic at all at that point. But you knew it though. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like right. you, you had that knowledge of being like, Oh, that's not, that's not, that's not the best that it could be. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's, there's a quote from Ira Glass where he talks about like having good taste and then what it takes to take your good taste and turn it into good art. And so he, he says, oftentimes mm. people that get into making things have good taste and that's, they have a sense for things that are aesthetically pleasing or moving and they have this sense that they could do it too. And they start to try to make things and because they have good taste, their early attempts don't line up to, to this vision that they have of yeah. what it could be. And so it can be really discouraging. And then, so they can end up stop making stuff altogether because crossing that gap between being a beginner and actually developing the skill set to make stuff that has a aesthetic quality to it of any kind, making art, uh, that gap is is a hard one gap to cross. And so a lot of people bail That's, out. That takes time. Yeah. That takes a lot of time. So I learned that quote in like many years later, but that's essentially where, where I was kind of at, where I had some level of taste and I had to go, like, could I actually make these myself and do them in, in a way that's like good? Yeah. And there was also this sense, because I've always wanted to, I mean, the, it's hard for me to separate wanting to do something as my career with it being an interest. 
And so what is tied into that is, could I make money with this? <laughs> of course. I'm not, my older brother is like a photographer, paint, like he could, he's an artist, like through and through. An artist to the point where making money from his art is uncomfortable. Hold on, sorry. I think that's- What's beeping? That's on the Mac. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the thing. Yeah, do the thing, please do the thing. I just uh, muted notifications. Nice. So my brother's like an artist artist, like yeah. through and through. Uh, he could, I mean, make rocks look beautiful, like that kind of thing. Like his taste and his aesthetic is is phenomenal. And he's done graphic design and he's done photography for people, but he just does not enjoy the business side of it at all. And so looking up to my older brother, I was thinking like he's the artist and I'm the crafts person, building things with my hand kind of person. I, did, I didn't resonate with the word creative at all, actually. I just wanted to like build physical things. Gotcha. But then around learning video, I was kind of like, I, I think you could build this into a career by making videos for people and, and getting paid well to do it. And I think I have the skill set to do that if I focused on it. Um, and that was kind of a key moment in middle school where I just was like, okay, let's do it. In middle school. In middle school. Yeah. So I would have been, well, what, what, what grade are you in when you're 15, 16? I, I think I was in grade 10. Yeah, I was going to say that's like high school. Yeah. So it, where I grew up, I mean, Canadians talk about grades differently. I'd say like, got it. I say funny things. We don't say senior and like freshman and stuff. What do you guys say? So we literally just the number of grade. So oh, like gotcha, 11th, gotcha. 12th, 10th. Got it, got it. Okay. So my, my, where I went to school, it was grade seven to 12, all in the same building. Okay. So it was like my middle school and high school experience weren't as separated as it, as it can be for some people. Got it. Okay. But I was working in a bike shop. And so, cause biking was like the thing that I did. And That's so I such a hands-on job too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just turning bolts. Yeah. Getting greasy. And working with customers too. Like yep. you get a, you get to interact with people. Yeah. And I'd been trying to think what career could I do that will allow me to just make whatever I wanted. And there was this point where I was like, if I go all in on video, what would that look like as a career? I wanted to find out. And so I took some of the I saved uh, this small part-time job income at the bike shop. And then I dropped the news on my parents. There's like several moments in my life where I like sit my parents down and try to pitch them on this idea I have. <laughs> Cause I know they might not respond well to it. Since like grade four, dude, you, you, pitch, yeah. you pitch that idea of pitch them on going homeschool. Dude, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, there's uh, like getting my first, uh, my PlayStation portable, whatever that PSP. Yeah. yeah. Like when I wanted to buy one of those, it was the, I had to put together like a pitch. I didn't have to, but I knew if I was going to convince them, I needed to put together a pitch. Dude, that's, that's a great mindset for somebody who's young to have. Cause, um, you know, Jack, Jack coin. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, um, I was on his Instagram like a few months ago and I'm, I remember he was telling me like, Oh, the key to success is knowing how to put together like, um, like slides or like, a um, a PowerPoint. Right. To like distill the com concepts into a presentable fashion. Exactly. Right? Because something, something that I feel like most people don't realize is that's how, that's how business people in the, in, in that world ingest information. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you need to make a deck. That's what he said. The, yeah. the, the key to success is knowing how to put together a successful deck. Right. And I was like, I've never thought of that. I've never, I have no idea how to put it right. together. You know what I mean? But you at a young age of being in 10th grade and wanting to put, well, you're trying to buy a PSP, you put together a deck essentially for your parents. Yeah. I, I had a notebook that I, 
<laughs> I had a notebook that I'd write down like my those the strengths of my arc argument and then some of the weaknesses. Dude, that's great. And then so the the big one was the iPod Touch though. So that was when I was trying to convince my parents to let me buy an iPod Touch, I remember this was like a critical thing. Um and I one of my was in my journal where I was writing down the pros of me being able to buy this this device basically. Um, like this is with my own money, but yeah. like I still had to make my case because it's my parents' household and they run it the way they run it. And I remember one of my my points was don't let them know that it has an internet browser on it because they, I mean, in our house we just had computer time, so like the amount of time that you spend on games on the like on the internet in general, it's and so one of I had to, I was I realized that I need to maximize that this is a music podcast device. And not that this would give me a gateway to suddenly be able to research things whenever I wanted to. Note to self, don't don't bring that up to mom and dad. Like that. <laughs> yeah, mom and dad, if you're listening, uh, I I turned out okay. No, you did, man. <laughs> and then so, so you're in the 10th grade. You realize that you want to see what this career of having a uh, working with video would be if you right. fully like put yourself to it. Right. And then, so how do you go from that idea to pulling the trigger and actually starting right. to make videos so that i think then comes the research stage of any idea this is when you're go to youtube and you start looking up like yep. how to get cinematic video like i was just there's this i had this concept where it's like some things look cinematic some things look like it's shot on a handy cam why who are the who are the first people to like inspire you so luke newman is one of the like original youtube guys that uh, used a Canon T2i and okay. he got really beautiful results out of it. So he, him and Devin Supertramp to me are like the original Yes, for me personally. Like, yes. like there's a Freddie W in the corridor, but yes, like most. Devin specifically just because he was like the one man team and he made outdoor stuff. Me too, dude. He was, he was the reason why I bought a uh, 5D Mark II. Yeah. And a glide cam. Yeah. First, first guy to t show me that like, oh, one person can do this. Right. Like it, it's, it's, it's Did you get a 16 to 35 as well? What yep. was the length? Yeah, yep. that's the... dude. It just went full Devin Supertramp, and he's he's so inspiring. Yeah, because he he's the first person to like break that barrier of doubt. Like, oh, someone somebody's doing this. I could do this. Right. And yeah, man. So shout out to Devin Supertramp. Shout out to Devin. I I ran into him at, at NAB uh, last year and two years ago, and he's the nicest guy. Like, yeah, man. I freaked out. There was a, a Samsung event that Casey was hosting and. So we all got invited and I'm online to sit down and he's just right in front of me. And I so like I freaked out and wearing I, his cap, like yes, the same hat that he wears yes, every day. Yes. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I freaked out, I introduced myself. And then so we all sit down and he's actually like sitting right in front of me. And I was just like, dude, this is crazy. I can't even believe that. Yeah, and I got to chat with him and, and like exchange information and that's just wild though. Yeah. In my head that like I went from that to sitting next to this guy and right. then even even now like i'm now i'm in my studio having a podcast with you even just that thought blows my fucking mind away running a podcast and making things and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's like what the fuck happened like how, how the fuck did that work out right but anyway but yeah so so then you saved up so basically i was in this like i mean most people who get into video enter this stage where they just go heavy into the research it's like yeah. which camera which this and thankfully I mean, if there was more cameras available, who knows at that time if I ever would have 
finally pulled the trigger. Yeah. But this was right at the start of the DSLR revolution, as they called it. So yeah. we had the 5D and we had the 7D. Yeah. And those were both like just slightly out of my price range. Yeah. But I mean, when I was doing this research is when those cameras were being announced. And so like I skipped the whole, like there's a whole generation of people that were trying to figure out how do you get a movie look with these like DV cameras, these HDV cameras by putting depth of field to depth. Like there's a whole generation that I missed. Yeah, I missed that too. Thankfully. When you were saying that, I was like, wait, what? Depth of field with, with, what do you put on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. So the T2i became like the obvious choice because it was under a thousand bucks Canadian. And so that like entered my price range. And so the goal is to get a T2i, a 50 mil, and then build a Hackintosh and then just, and then just see what could happen. And, uh, basically once I had those tools in my hand, uh, that I just experimented with my friends. So it was like the classic go up and make biking videos things. Did you go to college? I didn't not for video. No, I did a leadership program after high school. What's a leadership program? So basically this, so my, my older, it's a, it's a complicated program to explain because there's a few parties that make it happen. Okay. It's like a school that partners with a summer camp. Okay. And then there's like outdoor components and there's a faith component and there's like classes that you're taking. I feel like I've never heard of a leadership program. Is that? I mean, there's, so some schools will have like a designated like track that you can take. That's like a leadership track or that kind of thing. Okay. Um, basically the reason why the course itself is trying to equip you to develop your skills to to lead other people amongst them so there's this concept that oh the leader is a person in front yeah and basically what what this course helped build into me is hey leadership it looks a lot more like serving people um leadership actually looks a lot more like working amongst a team from within it Yes. Um, leadership looks like taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. Yeah. And so when you come out of high school, I mean, there's still, there's so much to learn. And in this environment, I basically was able to focus on how do I become better at uh, the best version of me that I can try to get to. Um, and there's a face side of that for me as well. But the bigger part was before I dive into actually building my, cause at that point I was, I mean, so after high school, I knew video, I was going to swing hard at it. And, and so I wanted to spend at least a period of time. Basically I had a concern. Um, and that is that my ambition would outpace the growth of my character. Um, okay. So I, I like as an 18 year old, I'd been able to look back across my life and realize there is multiple times where who I wanted to be was not lining up with my actions. So I'm, just making mistakes. I'm being a human being. I'm not treating others in the way that I want to. I'm just not, I had this vision of who I wanted to be and I was having a hard time actually living in that fully. And there's a version of myself that is like, Hey, this is the, this is where I think Levi's at his best. And I was nervous that if I was so ambitious, I would end up, well, if we just call it what it is, like I was nervous, I'd become famous and not be able to handle it. Like, yeah. That was a real fear for me because my drive was, hey, you should try get famous. <laughs> like that yeah, was a yeah. as an eighteen year old, like that was a real thing that I saw as being a priority. Like, because I all these people that I grew up watching to me were the famous people. It's like I wanted to join the ranks. Definitely, of course. So like the Devin Supertramp, like I wanted, I wanted to go do that. That's my version of famous, not like movie Hollywood famous, yeah, like like Brad Pitt or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had this fear that. 
if I pursued that first, I would end up in a place where I didn't like who I'd become. I had. That's a legit fear, dude. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, that was huge. That was a big one. And I was just worried. You hear these stories that like money isn't the answer. You hear, hey, when you like your friends become like if you pursue fame and whatever, like you'll realize that maybe some of your friends are fake or there's like all these things that you hear about people who've made it somewhere. And I was nervous. Um, I was if I had just went the ambition route fully, I didn't think I'd be able to keep up. I thought I'd just fall apart. I mean, this is like the time where Justin Bieber is making the headlines for like speeding his sports car through his like neighborhood. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to end up doing stuff like that. And I mean, honestly, like, dude, I remember hearing so many people judging like Justin Bieber for that shit. And I was like, yo, imagine if you're 20 years old with hundreds of millions of dollars, like, I don't think I would have handled it as well as he has. Hell honestly, no. no, man, I would be a problem. <laughs> I would be such a problem if I had hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh man, huge problem. The amount of uh, damage you could do quickly. Oh, I don't even know if I could recover. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I wouldn't even know if I would handle it as good as he did. Yeah, and that's so. That's kind of where I just I was like, I want to spend at least eight months uh, trying to just self develop. Um, I think. Dude, hearing hearing your story and how like how it it seems like you have such a really good head on your shoulders and like you're very aware of things because I feel like most people wouldn't even think of stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, people wouldn't even think of of like oh there's a there's a certain version of me that I want to be, but I'm not following through with those actions. So I need to assess the situation and act accordingly, and I need to change up the gears to line up with who I believe I'm supposed to be. Right. Dude. And you learn that at such a young age. I feel most adults don't even realize that. Do you know I, what I mean? I like, hope I don't forget it. That I think that will be the pitfall, right? Where it's like the, the day where I uh, am not willing to acknowledge that like my mistakes are my own and I need to get better at them. Like the day where I forget the day where I just get entitled, you know, where it's like, Oh yeah. It's the world around me's fault. Not my fault. Like, it, taking ownership over it, I think is a really important step for all of this acknowledging that I used to think that I could be this like change agent for others and then I just I got mm. I, I was like oh I should work on myself a little bit first and since I've had that f- focus shift I've been so busy trying to to work on my my own stuff that I've been worrying less about trying to like actively make other people better because I'm just like so no and and, and there's 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 only so much time do you know what I mean yeah like you can you once 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 you start really focusing on what's important to you everything else just kind of starts to become just noise yeah you know what i mean so then like you think that like you want to change people or you want to influence people but then you start realizing like how can i do that if there's so much to work on right here yeah which is you and then once you realize that you're like oh shit i how can i help somebody before i help myself yeah. Cause then, and it's never ending. You know what I mean? It's a constant thing that you have to always be working at. Right. Because that could easily just slip away. And then, like you said, start feeling entitled. And yeah, that becomes like a whole thing. But it seems like, dude, it seems like you are you have a fucking great head on your, sh- on your shoulders. And your thought process is coming from this end of the table. It's like it's super impressive that you're even thinking that way. Because like I said, most people that I've even... That's a loud dog. <laughs> Most people that I, I I interact with or or 
most adults that I've seen don't don't even behave that way. You know what I mean? I feel like they're not even aware of 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 that 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 mindset. And I, I think my hope would be is that it wouldn't just stop at the mindset that I would follow through with the actions because that's going to be what ends up cementing it because it comes back to that thing of thinking like I can contemplate about being better all I want but until my actions actually start to show it then that I hope that ends up being I hope if I I hope a decade forward from now I look back uh, and I see a track record of actions that were taken to be to actually do it um, that's kind of some I mean this isn't sponsored by Nike but yeah, yeah, yeah. no no dude that that slogan is the, yeah. sh- the shit yeah it's you know? a good slogan it is man just do it that's a fucking great slogan because what is it um I was looking through my notes today I was like trying to because I like jot down random thoughts and there was this one thought that uh that I saw that I wrote like in 2006 I think I just forwarded forwarded it to my friend it's uh the the work will always get you to the results that you want right it's always the work yeah and like there's nothing else like you could think about your results and everybody could think and dream about the right. results but then like it's all about the execution right you know um okay so so that that eight month phase there for me i i think of that a lot like like when people go traveling after high school yeah that kind of that was kind of that thing for me and so there's an adventurous side to it where we went backpacking caving sailing out in canada yeah Dude. Dude, the BC coast is amazing. Like I have the BC coast tattooed on my arm because it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. We were talking about, um, before we, we started recording, we were talking about sailing and I had no idea that you sail. That's, that's some badass shit, dude. <laughs> I've always had this, like, uh, I've always had like this romantic dream of like, like, uh, having a sailboat, right. A motorcycle and a dog and no like, helicopter in that mix. No helicopter, no helicopter, <laughs> no helicopter. Just, uh, just a sailboat, yeah. a motorcycle, and a dog. And then I would go to like random countries or random places, dock, hop on my motorcycle, check yeah. out the town, and then get supplies, hop back on the boat, feed my dog, and then go somewhere else. So There's like, a few YouTube channels that are doing that, and they're, they're making vlogs while they're doing it, and the envy gets real. Dude, that's that's a wild life. Mm-hmm. But then personally, there's, there's a part of me that's like, ah. I just like things too much <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to, to like really like live yeah. to really live that kind of life. I'm like, man, I like my things. Right. But, but yeah, so, so then you started, uh, backpacking and yeah, doing adventures and then, and I, I kind of thought I was putting my ambition stuff on hold. Like I thought, okay, I'm pressing pause mm-hmm. and so I had some other friends that are a similar age that were doing video stuff how, as well. How old are you at this point? So that would have been 18, 19 okay yeah and i had some friends back home uh specifically one friend who was stayed doing video and didn't do what i did um and so i see his business growing and i'm like i'm getting a little i feel like maybe i'm making a mistake i'm like man i'm like i i'm I'm gonna my gear is gonna be irrelevant when i'm finally done or yeah it was it was hard because you see other people crushing it uh and you go like oh man like i'm just spending time working on myself like is this going to be worth it were you recording your adventures or anything like that or no? a little bit but not in the way that i do now got um, it so yeah i honestly thought i was putting it on pause but now i'm so glad that i did that because i mean even the way that even hoping that i can articulate this stuff more clearly even now at like it 
is only because I think I spent that that season trying to answer some of those questions for myself. Um, and it's it's not even necessarily finding the answers to some of these questions or like, ah, I've got the solution to self-growth. But it's, uh, I think for me, it's developing just the, the skill set and the maybe even just the rhythm into my life to acknowledge when things aren't going the way that I want and know that when I realize that, I can go through a system to try to figure it out. Just having the conversation with yourself is so important. That's why I, I was bringing it up that like it seems like you have a great head on your shoulder and your thought process is, mm. is impressive because not you, you don't need to find the answers, but you should at least have the conversation. Right. And like that's important, whether it's with yourself, your friend, whatever. Just communications. I always, I always say this, like communication is so important, dude. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's crucial. Like when communications like uh, break down, I always think of like in military or whatever. That, yeah. That's when shit goes wrong. It's true. Or even like with your body, like say if like a part of your body stops communicating with another part of your body, that's when shit dies. Mm-hmm. So like constant communication, whether it's with yourself, your loved ones, whatever. It's it's very, very important. It's crucial. Yeah. And it seems like you're you're aware of that. You're very aware of, of, of what you want to do and what you should be doing. And at, at a young age, that that's just super impressive, dude. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, seriously. You're making me uncomfortable over here, but oh, my I, bad, I appreciate my bad. it. <laughs> but then, so, so you spent, you spent that time to like kind of reflect and. Yeah. And I actually ended up working for the program. So I did this eight month thing and they were, and then they were like, Hey, do you actually want to help us lead it for, for a year? And I was like, yes. And then that's, and then I, and then my girlfriend ended up coming and helping lead it. Cause I ended up meeting uh, my wife through like at this eight month thing. Like, I mean, when you're sailing with people, everyone, like the relationships that you can develop through a program like that are pretty phenomenal. Oh, I'm sure. And so by the time that I was done, I like had fallen head over heels in love with uh, my now wife. And so we ended up like spending the next two years kind of working with this program. So three years out of high school and I still wasn't making progress towards my filmmaking dream kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then, so that brings us into 2015 and then I was like, okay, like, am I, am I going to try swing at this again? Like, am I actually going to try build a career out of this? And at that time, this was, I mean. Oh, wait, real, real quick. Sorry. How yeah. much were you getting paid for that? Uh, oh. If you don't mind me asking for, for that program. <laughs> um, very little. So it, it was under a thousand a month and they looked after living expenses. It was under a thousand a month yeah. and you didn't really have a lot of overhead then. Yeah. So the, that was the best part was my, my lodging was looked after. My food was looked after, and it's and I so I didn't think that I needed much else. I mean, you really don't. Yeah, technically, it didn't. It didn't allow me to get ahead. Yeah. So it's not like I saved. So when I basically, I, I don't share this very often, but I proposed at the end of my time there, and so I had to buy a ring. So I had enough money to buy a ring, but then I didn't have enough to pay for the ferry to get off the island where the program was. So I had to like hit up my parents and be like. Uh, I know I don't ask this often, but like, can you spot me a ferry ride? Because I literally spent my money on an engagement ring and I can't get home. How much was a ferry ride? Uh, it's like, I mean, when you take a car, it's about $100. Okay. So I needed, I was like, I spent all my money, mom and dad. Like, and I was paying, I was paying a cell phone bill at the time. So, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no. insurance. And but you made yikes. it happen. Yeah. And I'm married, still married. Whew. How long have you been married? Uh, we're coming up on three years. Dude, congratulations. Thank you. That's what's up. I'm I'm like really into this concept of commitment. Uh, I really like 
I mean, a theme for me is jumping headfirst into things like, yes. like all the, I don't have many notches of interest level. Yeah. Like when I get in, like when I'm focused on something, I like obsess over it and I want to experience it to the most that I can. Yeah. I don't have many gradients in between that. I don't have many small hobbies. Yeah. Me neither, dude. <laughs> me neither. So when it comes to like a relationship, I, my perspective on our time here is life is phenomenally short. It is. And the amount of, when I look at relationships that I respect, uh, I, and I wonder like, how did you get there? Like I started asking, it's like, Hey, like this older couple that I respect that they're still together. And it looks like there's something going on there. It's like, what did, what did that take? And then from those lessons learning that it's like, well, I think it has less to do with finding the perfect person. I think it has less to do with that person, just letting you stay how you are right now. Cause we're constantly changing and growing. So what skill set? It sounds so weird to talk about love like a skill set. But I honestly thought like, hey, here's this person who I love right now. What skill set could we grow together so that way we could like go the distance with a relationship that actually grows into something like like these other relationships that I respect? Like what would that take? Um, and I think commitment is a I think I I wanted I wanted commitment from her. <laughs> So I didn't, I didn't want to be like, like worrying about if this, uh, if she's going to leave me at some point because I suddenly had a bad month. Like I didn't, yeah. I just didn't. So if that's what I'm hope if I want her to stick with me through thick and thin, thin, then like, what does it look like for me to be that kind of person for, for her? Um, so even just, just being, a, again, it's just like, dude, you're looking at things in the right way. I think it's like, like most people just float along with life you know what i mean like oh i'm supposed to get married since i'm married we're supposed to stay together and since we're together we should have a kid yeah it's kind of just as passive yeah Yeah. man and then like all of a sudden people are like what the fuck am i doing and then like they didn't put work into their relationship and all of a sudden they're heartbroken and they're getting a divorce and you know like dude that's what happens when you don't put the time and effort to think things through and really work on something right and i totally agree with you um with commitment it's funny that you brought that up um i'm not like a really religious guy yeah but i'm um like i'm traditionally catholic Mm -hmm. and within the last year i've just i've just been finding it fascinating that um i've just grown an interest to attending church every sunday right and like when i'm attending church i'm not going there and not listening like i'm really going there and I'm really paying attention. Right. And then it's it's this idea of like, I guess, kind of like sacrifice. It's like it's one hour a week. And can you do that? And it's 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 something that's like I'm not gaining something really like financial out of it or like I'm not gaining an experience. It's this idea of, like you said, commitment. That's like really kind of fascinating me of like right. whether it's me running or sticking to anything. You know what I mean? Like, can you do that? Can you say you're going to do something to yourself and then just make sure you follow through without right. anybody even really knowing about it? You know what right. I mean? Like nobody knows I really go to, I go to church every Sunday, right. but now, now, you know, but yeah, <laughs> but like <laughs> anybody um, listening to the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, nobody, nobody sees me right. at church. And it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing that I think a lot of people take for granted is, is commitment. Right. And like, how committed are you really, you know, to like whatever it is? Yeah. I think, I think where religion goes bad for people is when, 
um, when just the burden, like the weight of like the weight of being like following rules falls onto the shoulders of the person, like just this unattainable thing that you're trying to do for, for what? Yeah. And, and, and again, it's, it's most people aren't even, it's like a passive thing for most people. They don't even know what they're, they're not paying attention. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're just doing it because that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And quote unquote, rightly so. Some people have, (laughs) have had really bad experiences. Yeah. I mean, well, for one, just because churches are run by humans and they do human things That's from time right. to time. That's right. That's right. It's very <laughs> they don't. True. They don't get a cloak of uh, suddenly they're perfect. No man. And so there's a lot of damage that gets done. But I think the the concept that's resonated for me most from for from my religious background and my faith is your effort towards trying to improve yourself is is what's required of just like being a good human. Um, yes. And acknowledging that where like put forward the effort and up to where the effort can't take you further, just like be okay with it. It's like, and that's, that's honestly probably the hardest part for me. It's where like, I don't like, I don't, I, I, I look back on things that I, I look back on relationships where I wasn't who I should have been. I look back on times where, Mm maybe I made mistakes or treated someone unfairly or wasn't a good leader. I look back and I, and those things like keep me up at night and I like stress about them. It's really hard to let that go. Like I don't, it's, it's very difficult for me to like be okay with the, with me in the past. No, totally. My friend was telling, I was like talking to my friend about this and she was telling me that like, Oh, you know, sometimes you just gotta like, you just gotta accept it. And I'm like, that's, I get that, but that's where I struggle the most is accepting things right and it's just like fuck no but can i do something is there is there something that i could do or yeah that that shit keeps me up at night too man just like yeah anyway (laughs) um so so now when did you start your youtube channel right youtube channel started in 2011 were you into like vine or any of those other not vine i i missed that whole thing got it uh, I started the YouTube channel in 2011. Uh, okay. My my real last name is Vanderquack, uh, and so I had a YouTube channel called Vanderquack Films that I had started okay. a while ago. Um, but then when I went to Instagram, you couldn't make an Instagram handle that fit Levi Vanderquack. So then gotcha. my brother, who was a musician, did Matthew Joel. So I did Levi Allen, which is my middle name. Got it. So people like people don't know that, but that's why I go by Levi Got Allen. Got it. I, I didn't know that. So in 2011, I started the channel. That's where I put like the biking videos over the years. Okay. By the time 2015 came around and I was actively thinking, hey, should I, should I build a business now? Should I had this business that I had brand, I had a brand that I had started called Left Coast, but I mean, it was just, it was just some videos that I put out there on the internet. It wasn't like a, like there was a point where I was putting out videos in high school and I was getting the emails from clients being like, Hey, can you make us a video? And that's where you want to be. If you're trying to do a business out of it, you need the emails. But because I spent three years at this program helping be in it and then run it, those emails stopped coming. Yeah. So I found myself in the spot where it's like, I want to do this as a business, but I'm not getting the emails. Uh, what do I do? Um, cause I think I want to do this. Uh, there's two guys that were running a production company out of downtown Vancouver. And from the outside, it looked like they had it made. Uh, so they had families, they were making beautiful 
beautiful work. And so I wanted to figure out is what it is from the, if I was on the inside of that, would it be what it looks like from the, basically what's it like for those guys actually running that business? Yeah. Cause now's the point where I need to decide is filmmaking just going to be a hobby, which is totally okay. Or am I going to actually do this as a career? And so my, t basically I hard stopped at the job in the spring. So April, and I'd been like bugging those guys on Facebook. And I mean, I went and bought one of his hard drives off Craigslist just so I could get into their studio and talk with them. Oh shit. <laughs> so that, that, that was, that was your in. That was my in. Oh because, like, man, that's smart. When you ask someone to get coffee, like, and they got a lot going on, like it doesn't always work. No. So it's like, Hey, I like, I'll buy your hard drive. Cause he like posted on Facebook, this guy, Ryan. Um, and so I went and bought the hard drive and then that's where I made, again, I made my case to them. I'm like, Hey, look, I want to see what you guys, what running this is actually like. Will you take me on like for the summer? And can I also use your gear on the evenings and weekends when you're not? And that, that was kind of the, the, the gap period between like quitting my full-time job. And then I had this, like the safety net of they're going to be lining up the jobs. I'm not going to be making much money, but I've get, I get this experimental phase to learn is running the business actually what I would enjoy doing. Cause there's a difference between enjoying the craft and then actually doing it for money for people. Yes. Cause there's a lot of stuff that have nothing to do with making art uh, nope. when it comes to working with running a business out of it. Yeah. And so thankfully they took me on board and that meant I got to be there in the room and actually experience like, Hey, this is what two guys running a production. And they had a red camera, which for me was always yeah. like the dream to like touch and hold and yeah. turn on and take a selfie with. Yes. So gotta have that selfie. That was summer 2015. And that at that point, uh, I made a decision like what, so watching that was when Casey was started daily vlogging. Like he started, I think in March, 2015. Yep. I don't know the timeline perfectly. He, yeah, he started in March, which was like his birthday. Right. So by, by the time April came around, I was leaving my full-time job and there was some buzz building up around this Casey guy who was vlogging daily. Yeah. And like my mom had forwarded me his bike lanes video back in the day. And yeah. so I'd like seen some Casey videos, but I feel like everybody has, that's the craziest part. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'll tell people like, yeah, Casey Neistat. And they're like, who? I'm like bike lanes. And they're like, oh, <laughs> like even like no, adults and parents who don't watch YouTube. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember the first video uh, I can remember seeing of Casey's and I didn't know it was Casey was it was like a hurricane video and he was like walking around New York city when like hurricane Irene. Right. Right. And he was just like, nobody was in the city and he was running around with a, on his bicycle filming like things being flooded. Isn't there a shot with him by the bridge where the like wind is coming? Yes. He's like at an angle. Yeah. Yes. I totally remember that. See. And then, and then, it, yeah. So around that time you, around the time that Casey started getting big on, on YouTube is when you got into more of, well, so watching his videos, again, this is the foolish sense of like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> no, then I, I learned in this case that I can't, can't do it in the way that he does. But I like watching, I was like the way that he's building his following right now. And he's like doing it through video in a creative way. And he's like, what Casey did that I thought was different than most people was there's like the Devin Supertramp who makes a polished, finished film, puts it out there. Yeah. And then there's like way on the flip side the the daily vlogger in the parents basement on the webcam yep just like monologuing and yep. what casey for me bridged the gap between you could make videos about your human experience 
that have some cinematic components, but they're just like really interesting. And at that time, like Casey has come leaps and bounds cinematography wise in the actual videos themselves. But like the, his early videos felt so basic production value wise, but so interesting content wise yeah. that that was a fascination. And I realized I had the flip problem where I could make something that looked pretty, but I couldn't make something interesting. Got it. And I was like, that's not good. Cause I'm in my Instagram bio, I'm claiming I'm a storyteller. Like it's this thing that everyone is saying, like cinematographer, storyteller, like, yeah, I make, I make stories that move people. That's what everyone was saying. Yeah. <laughs> and I like realized I haven't made something beyond like a wedding video that made the bride cry. I haven't made something that moved people yet. And that's what I'm claiming I do, which that's a, there's a problem. See right there, you're, you're acknowledging something that you think you are without, without the actions backing yeah. it up. It's interesting. So the, Casey was kind of helping make this happen where I was forced to acknowledge production value isn't everything. Like that's not the golden. Yep. And if you just, cause you make a pretty time-lapse film doesn't earn you the right for people to watch it or yep. for it to go viral. Yep. It, where in times past, like, the first time-lapse films exploded because it was new. But if I just copied other people's time-lapse films, it's like, you know, it's just another time-lapse film at that point. That's right. Um, and so I made, I kind of made two deals with myself that summer. Um, one, I wanted to walk away with a film that I actually was proud of. And this is still while you're working with those two guys. Yeah. Okay. And so finally I had these cameras at my ready to use. So I no longer had the gear excuse. Yep. Because I had the gear excuse. Like, I don't have a nice enough camera. Everybody yeah. has that excuse. So th these production tools were available to me on the evenings and weekends if I wanted to. Um, Sick. And then the second thing was I need to stop pretending like I could build a following on YouTube and actually try. And so those two things were happening at the same time for me. And so that naturally just converged with what if I made videos about me trying to make this this first film? And that's where... I mean, that's when I started doing my first vlogs. 2015. 2015, yeah. And so I had the channel for a while before that. but uh, And I learned pretty quickly that making a piece of content about yourself interesting enough to watch beginning to end is so much more difficult than I expected. Oh, yeah. So my respect level for... So what, like when I watched, when I just watched Casey, it's like, oh, yeah, like I could probably do that. And then I was like, oh, my word, he's doing this daily. Every day. Like that is for 800 what days straight? Like it's just mind-blowing the level of uh, commitment. Well, yeah. And when you look at that, it's easy for me to go, well, he just started and was that good from the beginning. But now getting to know a little bit more about Casey's story, it's like, no, no, no. Like Casey was practicing making videos about his life since he touched cameras yep. day one. That's something that a lot of people don't realize is he's been vlogging, quote unquote vlogging like that like 10 years before YouTube was a thing. Mm -hmm. 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, And people complain that their one month of daily vlogging doesn't work out. Yeah, man. <laughs> the, I, the, 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 the nerve to make, a, make this claim that people deserve to watch your stuff because you're making it. It's just, yeah. it's fascinating to me. No, it, it's, it's, it's something that like, that's always blown me away with Casey. It's, it, it just seems like, like, like the stars aligned and planets aligned that like vlogging was a thing and he's been doing it for 10 years and he was just like, Oh, this is a thing now. Let me, let me try this. And then it just like 
skyrocketed because of all of his, all of his experience. And a lot of people never realize that. Or another thing I hear a lot of people say is like, oh, how did you organize your studio like this? Like talking to Casey. And what a lot of people don't remember is he's been in that space for like 13 years. It's taken so long to, to get to that point. Exactly. But everybody's like, oh, man, this is so cool. How do you get it like this? Like with time. It, like over a decade of time you know and people people want to people want shortcuts i guess yeah they want i mean that's why these these gimmicky social media training things exist because people yep. want to push button quick solution yep. it's why people buy followers it's why because they just want a way to just press a button yeah and just the magic bullet yeah yeah smartphones definitely have uh like exacerbated that, that yeah that want so it's like instant. Well, and most people, when people look at these Instagram famous whatevers and they hear that they're getting five figures for an Instagram post, their immediate response is, I like, why do they get that? Like, why do they deserve to have that? And so it's there because the tool is literally a phone. There's truly is. It's not like there's a separation of you did eight years of studies and you're now like a neurosurgeon. Yeah. So that's why the level of income you're getting is so disproportionate to. Yeah low-skilled labor like in this instance if people to see they have a phone they have an instagram account it's like it's ridiculous that that's just the response like everyone yeah. feels that they could do it if they wanted to and this is the thing they could yeah well you know technically yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and like and like like you said um earlier is like you can do anything as long as like you really like put your mind to it and i know that sounds cliche right and a lot of people say that shit but dude, I mean that that's that's how it works. You know what I mean? Like if you're really, really uh, serious about anything, you can really do it. Yeah, I I just created a course on growing like a niche production company. Um, so like my company, Left Coast, I've kind of built into this like specific documentary outdoor style of videos for businesses. So now that that's where you are now, like. Yeah, so this is like jumping forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Please. One, one of the things that I ran into with that as I'm trying to teach this stuff is I'm realizing like I'm asking people to do really hard things and I'm nervous they won't. Like in, like if I look back on my journey to it, like there is some distinct hard things that you have to yeah. do if you want to do this. Yes. And so now being in this position where I'm trying to build and market this course, it's like the tendencies... Like I want to, I want to let people know that this can transform things for them. But the going right hand in hand of that is, you have to do a lot of hard work. Like, <laughs> and there's, there's like no, buckle down. Yeah, man. There's there's no way around it. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no way around it. It's like, I think um, there's this one, there was this one like picture of, of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's just like jacked, and he yeah. talks about how like um, like uh, a good physique is like a status symbol because like you can't buy it. Right. You can't cheat. You can't you can't have it and not maintain it. Like you this is a thing that you have to work at constantly every day. Right. And and that's why to him it's a status symbol. Right. And it shows it's it's hard evidence of hard work and labor. Mm -hmm. And like some people could be like, Oh man, you know, he took steroids. Let me see you take steroids and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Without putting in endless hours into the gym. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about roids, but you still have to like 
you we have it only works if you actually do exactly. then really tough workouts. Exactly. Like, exactly. That, that, it that, only that. just puts fuel on the fire that's already there. Yeah. And and I think of course like that that's a legit fear for you. Right. And, and like your your fan base and your um your customer base that that you're worried about that the workload might be a little bit much for most people. Mm-hmm. And it is. <laughs> do do yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to put in the work. Right. So I mean, that's that's an interesting hurdle to uh, to get over in, right. in your in your uh, business right now. So, so wait. Now, now you're. That's jumping forward. Okay. Okay. So so, so let's let's step back. <laughs> I so YouTube started like making videos about myself in 2015. Okay. Like that's when. And that's when I was just confronted with this is so much more difficult than I thought. <laughs> so yeah. while I was making this film with the production gear that I was borrowing, I was making some some YouTube videos. And then I ended up finishing and launching that film uh, December of, of 2015. And that that to me was like the proof to myself that I could tell a story. I wanted that before I did this as my like thing. I wanted evidence that I made a thing that people watched and had an experience of some kind while watching. And that kind of gave me permission to now actually own, Hey, I'm a filmmaker now. Like I can own that as my thing and I can be okay with that. And let's now try to build a business on my own around that. Got it. So then, because you hear people that are five, 10 years down the road of running creative businesses and they're, they're, list of complaints is long clients suck the work's boring never time to do my own stuff and that's not everyone but there's people like people that i was talking to that they yep. it was complaining yeah, yeah and i just i can't i complain the most about complaining i just can't stand it it's like who cares like you took on the client you didn't have to that's right like ugh, it just drives me nuts and so i wanted I to flip that on its head and try go I don't want to go five years down the road and still be saying, oh, I've got no time for my own things. I had an opportunity at this point because I'm a bachelor and because I have low overhead. It's like I can spread myself as thin as I want because I've got youthful energy and try and make it happen now. And for someone with three kids, that doesn't work the same way. But if I had three kids, I would have done it differently and would have had different results. And that's totally okay. That that statement of... I don't have time for something really bothers me. Name of the podcast. Yeah, man. And like, that's, that's where it even all like started from is just people. I just constantly hear people just saying like, such an easy excuse. I don't have time for that. Cause people would ask me like, Oh, what do you do to stay in shape? Yeah. I'm just like, Oh, I I run, I run and do like calisthenic workouts. And then they're like, man, I wish I could run. I just, I, I don't have time to do that. And then because me working at three, six, eight, and working for Casey, I commute from Jersey and the hours are crazy. And when I get home, I only have max two hours of free time. Two. And then one of those hours I'm spending running because I just I just have to do it. Yeah. And then whenever I would hear people say that, I'm like, dude, you have like four hours of free time. Four. Like I would kill to have four hours of free time. And then just hearing that be started to become offensive. And then so I started like posting these videos on my Instagram, just like, which it works, man. Like I, I see those pop up in my feed and I see the timestamp and I'm like, Miguel's getting some today. Like, yeah, dude, whoo, putting I've those got no excuses. In. Yeah, dude. And that's great. I, I love seeing, I love seeing your posts when you run and you're yeah. on the trails. I've never been trail running. I, I definitely want to, 
I'm scared to like roll my angle for that's like a, a fear of mine. We'll take you up. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you on some trails. Uh, okay, so so then, so you make that you make that film that invokes that like pulls uh, emotion from people or, right. or made people feel a certain way, and at that point you are saying that you can say that you're a filmmaker. Yeah, and to be clear on YouTube, the views aren't rolling in on my vlogs either. <laughs> so I'm like simultaneously realizing two things: I can make a, a decent film, but like I need to work at this internet video thing if I want to do more of that because yeah. the content's not that in. Like a tutorial is is what I would when I made tutorials, they would perform well because people actually search for them. But then when I try to just make like a like a an adventure video of just me just going out on a hike, like it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> like it's painful to go back and watch and i still end up making boring videos now but like almost everyone was boring back then <laughs> yeah yeah so i was like realizing man my internet video skills are need some working so we how, how long were you working with this uh these two guys at this production company um until you decided to like break off and because now you do youtube yeah. just full-time well no so we can get to the the full-time i'm actually at the point where it's like can I put the pieces together to do internet video full time? Like I'm, this is the first time that I'm at that point. Um, so I worked with those guys for five, six months. Yeah. And basically how that worked was I was still my own company. Yeah. Um, and they would basically, I would just invoice them yep. per project that I was a part of. Yeah. And so that was like hourly rate editing stuff. I did mm -hmm. a lot of editing, which was mind numbing. It's a grind. Yeah. And then we'd shoot and stuff. And from that experience, I was able to observe, because my question was, is it worth it to start a production company? And the answer I got was, yes, maybe. <laughs> like, like I think so. Like, yeah. And I didn't. I there wasn't something that was screaming at me louder. Yeah. Um, and so I was gearing up to getting married. Like, uh, basically at that point, uh, once I stopped working with those guys in about three months, I was going to have like my wedding. And so I kind of was like, okay, like. I don't want to stay with these guys forever because I don't want to live in the city. That was downtown Vancouver. So I was living in a van biking into to their studio to do the work. And I I didn't want to live in the city married. Like I just, it wasn't a lifestyle that was, yeah, I mean, it's expensive and all like you can come up with a big list. So I was like, I want to go solo. Like I want to focus on left coast. Like that's my, that's my dream. I want to build my own version of this. Because I mean, that was some of my favorite conversations with the guys was, we would talk about things that maybe weren't working and I love just like trying to trying to pick apart concepts or, or mentalities behind just video work for clients. And thankfully these guys would be willing to actually, so I'd, I'd challenge them on an idea and then they would explain actually your perspective on that's a little naive. Like here's the real world reality. Yeah. And they were helping me sharpen my way of thinking about that. Um, and so I really appreciated them just being open. But then what comes out of that is hey, I think there's a version of this that I would like to do that's a little different. And one yeah. of those for me was, I don't think having the red camera was the version of the dream that I originally thought it was. And so I think I could do great work with less overhead mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and do it in a different fashion. And that was, that was something that I learned while being with them and kind of just deciding when I do my own thing, I want to do it a little different. And I love that like you got that opportunity because you just asked. You know what I mean? Like you'd be surprised, man. I and I don't I don't want to I don't like speaking negatively about other people, but I do know that they like cuz the two people who are the owners and partners in this company have told me this after the fact. 
They've had a lot of interns. And I think to this day, no one's made a thing with their gear ever. Which is mind-blowing to me. So I used their editing rig because I didn't have one. I used their lenses, their RED camera when I could. And I basically borrowed and used everything that I could and probably even wrecked some of it. You know, like I, I used it. <laughs> um, no, and, and you're being proactive and like you're not waiting for someone to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like according, like listening to your story, I'm like, oh, okay. Le- Levi's, uh, you're out there doing shit with, without like people's permission. Or like if you don't yeah. have people's permission, you're not good at waiting for permission. <laughs> yeah. And and like if you don't have the permission, you're going to like go up to them and ask. Right. You know what I mean? And then so basically that that starts the beginning of 2016 is where the oh, first. Oh, wait, Levi, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. Can yeah. you just move that mouse? I just I just want to make sure that this is still recording. You just like went to sleep. Yep. We're good. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Normally Colin's here, but Colin had to go do stuff this was yeah. such a last minute thing <laughs> so beginning of 2016 that yeah. was like that marks the time the first day of my full-time like filmmaking business journey um and boy was it yeah again it, like it was more difficult than i had expected to get the emails in the inbox what kind of work were you uh doing at first um so i just i knew from the beginning i wanted to like kind of carve out a niche for myself yeah um so the first film i made was an outdoor extreme sports film. Dope. And my expectation was I'll put this out there and then all the emails will come. Cause I mean, this was the narrative that some other filmmakers, like basically I wanted to be able to get a Vimeo staff pick. And then my thought was once I do that will change everything mm. because the reason why I thought this was because that had happened to some other filmmakers from this period, this DSLR revolution where they shot a piece, put it on Vimeo, it exploded Vimeo staff pick. And the next thing they know they're directing commercials and yeah, and boom. Yeah. Like I listened to podcast interviews where that was the narrative. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like that makes sense. I'll do that too. Got the staff pick. Not a single email. You got client. the staff pick though. I got staff pick, which was nice. Congratulations. Yeah, man. That's, that was, that's huge. I was thrilled. But I thought the staff pick meant I would suddenly get these emails being like, yo, you're a prodigy. Work mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a single email related to this film work related until over a year and a half later. So I had to re, that was going to be my biggest marketing tool. um, And I had to realize, oh, like most businesses want to see examples of business. They want to see examples of how you can make them money with a video before they want to hire you to make them a video. And I kind of had to like, oh, okay. So so I'm not getting the emails. What do I do? Well, I'm sitting around. So instead of sitting around, it's like, what would be a dream company to work with? and then instead of waiting for them to email me, I'd approach them and say, "Hey, That's right. I, I really like what you're doing. Um, could I could I create a video for you if you come into my process as as a filmmaker uh, under two conditions? Uh, you don't tell people that I did it for free. Mm. Uh, three conditions, really. Two, uh, if I did a good job, tell other people that I did a good job. So, I mean, you're a business owner. You know other business owners. L- like." Let people know that I did a good job. And three, if you want to do another video, you, like consider hiring me. Like that's that, fair. That sounds very fair. And then the trick to actually make that work is then treat it as a paid project. And what this means is, instead of just going, "Oh, hey, what video do you want to make?" and then just going and making them a video, I realized if you sit down with a business owner and ask them, 
hey, like what problems are you facing between generating more revenue right now as a company? Like what, what are you actually, what's, what's a problem in your business? And the right type of clients to work with know the answer to that question. And they go, hey, we've got this product. It's not selling as well as we'd like. We need to connect that with customers. Well, what, what are the objections from customers? And then you take a client through this process. Yeah. And what you get at the end of that is a potential solution you can pitch back to them. So this is the client work process. And if you don't have the email, then you can't even begin that process. So you need to initiate it on your own. But if you initiate it on your own, it's not as simple as just make them a free video. It's actually take them through a process. So at the end, you can prove that you did what you said you would do and you did a good job doing it. You got to have a plan. Got to have a plan. And you can't know what the plan, you don't know what the best process to lead someone through is until you try. Yeah. Because you can look at other people's examples of their process. Yep. But one thing I learned was it's really frustrating when, well, frankly, I just needed money to start working on the project because I needed to buy a recorder for audio. Of course. Like I needed the money. <laughs> so I realized on some of these first paid projects, because I was trying to set up my own stuff, I need half down at the start. Yep. And that was a problem I only ran into once I, once I actually tried. Like it's like, okay, I actually need some of this money at the beginning so that way we can make the project. That's right. Um, and I mean, some other lessons are like, it's a pain in the butt when you give them the final video and you don't get paid then for months. Like that's annoying. Oh yeah. That's a, something most people with regular nine to five jobs have no idea goes on. And so my, my solution was just, Hey, they don't get the file till I get paid. Why would I give them the final thing and give them no incentive to that's pay right. me? That's right. So then that became my policy. It's like 50 up front, 50 on delivery, on delivery. And people are like, Oh no, you can't do that. That's not fair to the client. Well, I would tell the client up front. It's like, hey, client, if we're going to work together, this is what it looks like to work with me. Are you like, do you want to be on board with that? That's right. And if you explain it ahead of time, you're not bamboozling them partway in. They respect it. Communication. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say those principles clearly now, but in those first <laughs> days of trying to run Left Coast is my thing. It's like, oh boy. Like, so there's some hard run, one bumpy mistakes. Um, but the first projects I did that were actually outdoor projects, I said, hey, can I do this for you? And if you like it, will you like hire me again kind of thing? And sometimes that works well, but other times it's just, you get an example out there into the world that another business, can, you get you get something into the marketplace yep. and another business can go, hey, who made that? Yep. And then that's what, I don't know, it's a mystery how emails end up in your inbox being, hey, yeah. can you make a video for me? It's not, it's not clear how it happens. And anybody that claims to have a very clear like, step-by-step -step process i i call bs on that because how someone finds you to hire you is always a mystery but you have to have work out there and that's it you have to have something out there that's it um and so i'm still doing youtube but like youtube isn't getting me clients in fact i'm hope i'm praying clients don't end up on my youtube channel because i think they're gonna think i'm some amateur who's like <laughs> making internet videos uh but like that was grinding away for about two years of saying no to most projects that had nothing to do with what I wanted to be my focus, which was outdoor adventure style videos. Isn't it crazy how like at one point in time being associated with like uh, somebody who creates internet videos, it was like a bad thing. Yeah. Well, and people still get nervous about it. Like the filmmakers I know don't want to make videos about themselves because they're like, I don't want the client to see that. Like They're yeah. going to think I'm a goof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to... I don't know, man. Like people get so, I think people get so caught up in, in, uh, like, like, like teams, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, not a, I don't make internet videos or, yeah. 
or like I'm a model with an agency. I'm not an Instagram model. Right. But I'm like, dude, those Instagram models are killing it. You can, we were talking about this earlier. Like they're starting their own agencies. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And like people, people like to only acknowledge like, uh, the influencers or people on Instagram that have millions of followers or people that have hundreds of thousands of followers. But man, there's, there's a big market for those people that have 10 digit, 10,000, uh, double digit thousand followers, Yeah, like 10,000 to like 30,000. They're making serious money, man. Yeah. And like, it's no joke. It's no joke. Cause I remember even Casey at one point, like he didn't like being associated as like a, a YouTuber. Yeah. And like he's like no no I'm a filmmaker, and then I remember it changed. He's like oh no no no, I'm a I'm a full fledged YouTuber now. Right, that made an impact on me watching that shift happen, because I I mean I, I think most of us have gone through an experience like that, yeah. and seeing Casey time and time again explain how incredible it is that all you have to do is press upload. Yep, that's what that's what motivated me to put my first film online for free. That's what made me realize that. The biggest opportunity might not be getting that big series check funded yep. by name the big streaming service. Yep. Um, if you want me to make a series, I still will. <laughs> but like the Definitely. truth is, is that maybe that's that dream isn't actually maybe the right one for me anymore. And I, because I used to think that it's like, man, if if I could just get a check written to go make a thing, it'd be so much easier. It's a, it, I feel like it's the same idea of of uh, it's similar to the idea of the red camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, oh, man, oh, shit. If I had a red camera, I could do this, do that. Yeah. And then you get it. You're like, oh, I could totally do more without this. Like, yeah. There's actually barriers to using yes. that as a solo shooter yep. if you're trying to make this type of stuff I was making. Exactly. A, a boot up time of like 20 seconds doesn't work so well no, it for documentary, no. like fast paced action. Like, it, yep. it, I missed stuff. Yep. And it's big. And it's big. And the batteries and the memory cards and a beautiful image amazing camera but i mean just if you don't have the infrastructure to back it up it it can be a distraction for sure no totally totally and those i so on the red camera you set the compression rate yep in raw so like what red does that was amazing was they made raw data compressible yeah so that way you could actually access the changing of it uh and so i'm so new to shooting with red cameras that i set the compression rate to basically the so you get the most data Okay. So I re- sit down to record Huge. this interview uh, with my talent and it's like an hour and a half interview and I had a 512 gigabyte card in and it filled up 45 minutes in. And I was like, oh no. But massive, like, massive files. So still, I have, the, uh, I have on my hard drive that backed up that project. Like if I do a data analysis on it, there's that one clip that's like 512 gigabytes because I accidentally set the compression rate wrong. And it was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's, it's mistakes though. It's, it's mistakes yeah. and, and lessons learned through experience. Right. So, so now, now you're doing, we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we uh, started recording, but now you're doing kind of like workshops. Right. So, okay, wait, wait, hold on. So you started, um, getting clients to make, uh, you started making videos for clients. Yeah. And these were all like outdoor. Mostly. Like I did some. So I call it technician work when you just show up and do it for the money. Yeah. So I was doing some of those, but my priority was to make sure those were fast turnaround. Okay. Because nothing's more defeating than having a project that's dragging on that's outside of your 
outside of the area of where you want to be taking your business. Definitely. It just like, it just drains you. So I, I did projects that like I did some corporate videos. Yep. I'm, I'm okay with that, but I just tried to make sure I could put a deadline that was like a quick turnaround. So that way it's not like overwhelming. So my main thing, I said no to a lot of like, at this point, weddings beca became not viable because most people didn't want to invest enough. And that just, that was okay with me. It's soul crushing too, shooting weddings. Well, I, again, it's this, it's this mindset that I have where I can't do stuff like half effort. Yeah. So if I could find if I could have found a way to maybe just like shot it, pass off the footage to someone else, have yeah. them edit it. Yeah. But like, I would just obsess over the edits. So it just like took way too long and I wasn't getting like, I mean, when you're getting paid a couple grand and you spent hours weeks yeah it's like it's like that there's a problem there that doesn't that's not viable yeah so then now like how did you like what are you doing now right oh wait 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 no no before that how did <laughs> before we get to right now yeah uh what i wanted to get into is is um how did you meet casey right that's a great question uh because that that's where me and you met i met right. i met you at 368, at 368 right yep. um I mean, there's the long version and then there's the long version. Like it's, it's a, it's a tough, I haven't masterfully distilled it. Yeah. The, the essence of the concept was I realized this conference that I'd spoke at, they invited me back the next year to make a video for it. Okay. I'm um, this random conference in Boise, Idaho. It's called crafting commerce. Okay. Um, do you get paid for that? I did. Yeah. Nice. And so I was thrilled to go back and make the video cause I, I really liked some of the people that I got to interact with there, it's all creative maker people. Yeah. Um, and so I agree to do this video and I s suddenly see the speaker set list and at the top of it's Casey Neistat. And so at this point, I mean, Casey has been someone that I've looked up to actively for yeah. years now. Um, I would attribute the way that I think about internet video being largely shaped by his, um, his mindset. Yep. And so this is someone that's like, Hey, I look up to this guy when I see him, I would like to express that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know with people like this, like they constantly like, and now actually having spent time with him, when you walk down the street, it's like he's inspired so many people. It's hard to stand out as someone who wants to truly, exp I feel like it's so easy to say, oh, you inspired me so much. So yeah. I, I noticed this at a conference once someone, I watched this person go up to someone that they looked up to say, oh, you're like my biggest inspiration. And then I saw that person go to another person and be like, oh, you're my biggest inspiration. I'm like, how does that work that you have multiple biggest, like who is the biggest? And I, I just started to realize that like people who, if you, if they respect you, they want to communicate that in a way, which is like, oh, and the easiest way to do that is, oh, you're the biggest inspiration. Yeah. But usually that's not totally the case. And, and for me in internet video world, like Casey was now one of the biggest inspirations and I wanted to if I meet him, I didn't want to just be stuck like, like, Hey, I run a YouTube channel. And like, and I also acknowledge like once if you develop a relationship with someone like Casey, like he can show you a way to think about the world. That's just different. And I, yeah. so I genuinely like wanted a relationship with him. That's not just, Hey, can you check out my videos? Yeah. No. And that's, that's, that's a good attitude. And that's a complex problem to solve. Like, yes. As just a fan of someone's videos someone who's wildly popular it's like how do you communicate that in a way that's genuine that they actually feel appreciated by yeah. so it's like do i send him like a massive box to his studio to open that has a, a heartfelt letter in it i, I don't think so no because he, he has massive amounts of boxes yeah <laughs> gets a lot of, <laughs> yeah. this is overwhelming at that point yeah. Yeah. maybe if i was in the first dozen but i needed to like come up with 
well, I didn't need to, but I was like, what's something I could do between now and this conference? That way, when I get there and shake his hand for the first time, it's act. There's I can. There's a little bit more meaning behind it. Yeah. And I, not just because what I like, not just because I want Casey to know that I exist, but I truly think it's special if you can show people that inspire you that they do. I think that's a cool thing to do. Like if someone didn't, because then the question goes, oh, you're an inspiration. Well, are you actually like? What is it changing about your life day to day? Yeah. And around this, so this was in like February and the conference was uh, at the end of June. February, 2018. Yeah. Last year. And I mean, so I've got this pattern in my life where every spring I try to get into shape. (laughs) Dude, that's good. (laughs) Well, then I never follow through. So I, I, I lack a discipline with, I lack discipline with routine fitness. So gotcha. I'll go climb in the mountains. I'll have fun on a bike. But when it comes to like routine uh, fitness, it's tough for me. And so I was out on this first run of the year because I usually don't start running in January because that's when the New Year's resolution people run. It's true. And I don't want to be one of them. It's true. And <laughs> so I was being all high and mighty. I was like, I'll start in February. I go on this run. Just get like, I just get my butt handed to me. And I'm just like jogging at a slow pace. Yeah. And this was alarming because up until this point, I've just been able to bounce back from everything and just do stuff that I want to do. And everyone told me that the day will come where that becomes harder and harder and harder. Like you're going to like, you can eat whatever you want now, but you just wait. And so I was at my friend's house. We don't have a scale in our house. I was at my friend's house and I stood on it and I was like, for the last five years, I'd been a single weight no matter what happened. And suddenly I had 20 pounds on me from the winter. And I was like, Oh, like 20 pounds isn't a problem, but like, where did that come from? <laughs> and I was feeling it on this run. I was like, my body feels like different. Like it feels like the systems that are supposed to be revitalizing my energy right now are like clogged or something. I'm like, this isn't fun. And so I pull up my phone on a bench and I'm just like scrolling Twitter as I do. And I see that Casey posts a photo of him on a run with Lance Armstrong and uh, Ryan Holiday. Fuck. And I'm like, man, like to run with Casey, like what would that be like? And I know that he hates running with people. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, to be like one of the people that you could go on a run with Casey, like that would be, that would be epic. And then I like, at this point I had no idea. Whenever Casey went on runs and shared like the stats of it, yeah. it's like 10 miles, like long amount of time. It's like, I had no, I had no reference point cause I'd run in kilometers. Got it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> My yeah. brain thinks yeah. in kilometers. So I was just like, oh yeah, that's probably, he's probably going quickly. Yeah. I is, just man. had no concept. Yeah, dude. And so at that point, sitting there on the bench is like, what if, what if like, so when Casey comes to this conference, he's probably going to go on a run when he's there because he runs every day. So when Casey's there, he's going on a run. What if I made a series of videos of me getting into shape? So that way at the conference, if Casey is going on a run, I could go with him. Well, more than that, if he invited me, I could actually say yes. Mm. And so then there's a couple, it's like, I wanted the videos to like eventually make it to him without me hacking to like, like spam him on Twitter. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you go to his mentions and it's like constantly, that's, it's, it's just nonstop. Yep. And so I was, that was the challenge. It was like, could I make a video series interesting enough, documenting getting in shape that he finds out about and that if the stars line at the conference, he would like hit me up on Twitter and be like, yo, want to go for a run? That was the, that was the, the vision. That's the plan. And so I embarked on it and I started making these videos and my hope and my hope was, is that he wouldn't find them at the beginning. Cause I wanted the, the evidence there that yeah. I was actually serious. Yeah. Cause I worried if he saw it too early, he'd be like, sorry, man, I don't run with people. 
and then I'd be deflated. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, I wanted the video series itself, if he found it and we didn't run together, to still be like, oh, this is cool. Like, I wanted, like, respect. I, like, wanted him to be like, oh, this is neat. Like, way to go. No, and that's the way to do it, man, by showing work. Right. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> watching enough of his videos, I start to have a sense of what he values. And, yeah, man. And I wanted to, like, show that, hey, I kind of get it a little bit, just like a little bit. So I did this whole series and I started running like every day because uh, I didn't want to embarrass myself. Like yeah, I was like so good, motivated. This good. is like the most motivated physically I've ever been to do a challenge like this. To like keep up with Casey if you, if you get the opportunity to run. Right. And I, so once I started going on some of these longer runs, I realized I got to switch my app over into miles. Yes. So I actually know what's going on. Yes. And like at that time, my mile pace was, I think my like, Longest run at that point, my mile pace was like 11 minutes. I mean, hey, dude, everybody everybody obsesses over like their, their pace. Yeah. But how, how many miles were you running at? So that was my longest run at that point, I think had been seven miles. Okay. So that pushed me over the 10 kilometer. Like previously in my life, I'd run 10, 10 kilometers like twice. Okay. So I'd never run distance before. I hated running. And so... Yeah, I hate running too. Yeah. No, I, I still yeah. really do. It yeah. sucks. I believe you. I experience <laughs> running, it. Running sucks. Yeah. And so like the, on my, I was figuring out like I need to shave like three minutes off this yeah. pace time if I'm going to be able to keep up with the guy. And then that's when the challenge got real and I was kind of like, oh no. Um, but I made these videos and that, like some of them were a little fancier than others. But I mean, another motivation was I wanted to make something that was interesting for my followers. Yeah. Because like... Um, How many followers did you have at this point? I can't totally remember, but I was it was around forty to fifty thousand, I believe. Forty to fifty thousand on uh YouTube? on YouTube, yeah. I think so. I would need to go back and double check. Gotcha. But I know last fall I was at third so at the begin I think going into twenty eighteen I was at around thirty thousand. Dude, that's a solid number, man. Yeah. I mean I'd and I I mean the confident part of me would have said I would hope if I spend two years like trying to do it, I could yeah. get get towards i mean i'd wanted to grow quicker technically yeah i'm um, seeing other people do it it's like why can't i do that and i realized that there's more, more to it than that and when you're trying to run a business and make your own original films and make youtube stuff like that's a i realize that's a lot and have a marriage and have a marriage and stay married yeah man that's fucking demanding yeah so how many videos did you make uh how many running videos did you make i think that i think it's like a dozen ish so it was like, how many weeks was it? It was a lot of weeks. Yeah. And I, my audience got a kick out of it. And I, I didn't want to clickbait Casey too hard in the videos leading up to it, but I wanted him to find them. Yeah. So I started titling things like Casey Neistat runs too fast. Yeah. And then the first thing I say in the video is like, well, he runs too fast for me. This is the challenge I'm doing. Here's my progress update. And what I noticed was people would start to find those videos because they're watching Casey's other videos. And then the cool part was, like if you go into the analytics, I don't really spend much time doing this, but like people would find these videos, they'd go away and then they would come back. So they would watch multiple videos in the series and they'd be like, okay, this guy's not so bad. And they'd stick around. So it wasn't just like a one-off, like one video spikes well, and then that's it. Yeah. It's like people would watch a couple of them and then actually stick around after they like followed a little bit of the journey. They're like, oh, the guy's still doing it. Six weeks later, he's still posting videos like... Huh, I wonder if this is actually going to work. See, and even tying back to your whole thing of commitment, people like that. You right. You know what I mean? People people appreciate other people who have commitment. 
and man, those first videos, like when I filmed myself running, like I got torn to shreds on like <laughs> my, t like people were like, man, you're running with a stick up your ass. Oh, you're doing it wrong. And I was just like, oh, well, here we go. Yep. You just got to keep going. So, so then how did, how did those videos eventually, how, how did you end up meeting Casey then? Right. My last ditch plan, if he hadn't run into it on his own and like dropped a comment being like, let's make it happen. Yeah. Was sending him a package with a, a sweater in it that had the the slogan of kind of the challenge for there's like a quote that I took on which um, excellence is not an act but a habit okay so we are what we repeatedly do it's true so th this whole concept for me was I ended up making like t-shirts with it on it and it said hashtag run with nice dad on the back um, and so I sent him the, these t-shirts in a box like hoping he'd open it and then the letter said hey want to go on a run yeah at this conference on this day um, but like he did he, he get didn't to it? he didn't open it. God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he actually opened it after the fact, but that's a that's another thing. And so I'm going into this conference and I'm like, I haven't heard a thing. Yeah. And I like haven't spammed him. I I mean, I I was a couple degrees separated, so I know people that know Casey. So it's like, do I ask them like I had this question, like, do I ask them to try get my videos in front of like do I bug them and be like, yo, could you message Casey and ask? But I was like, nah. Like got to do it clean yeah, yeah that's kind of lame yeah i was like I, you got to do it clean <laughs> yeah man like if he finds it he finds it and if he doesn't then it was a project that hey it was still worth doing and maybe he runs into it later and he's like oh sweet props so i get to this conference and i'm filming and uh i find out like uh from from one of the i can't remember who let me know but they're like oh yeah casey's actually fl flying out at like five in the morning the day after his talk so like Cause I had pictured he'd come there, he'd do his talk. I'd shake his hand and like, as a last ditch effort, I could say like, Hey man, I did the series, like check it out tonight. Yeah. And then at like, once he meets face to face, he'd like maybe tweet me or like, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know how it would happen. But I was just kind of like hoping. And I was like, maybe we'll run in the morning after his talk or something like that. And then someone says like, Oh, he's flying out at like five in the morning or something stupid. I'm like, okay, the run's not happening. <laughs> I kind of, it kind of just settled in and I was kind of just like, okay. Like, that's okay. I'm the guy who tried to run with Casey at the conference. I'm like, maybe I'll just keep it going until eventually he sees it and I go to New York or something. And I'll meet him here at this conference, but like, I'm not convinced I'll be memorable. Yeah. And I don't want to bug the guy because he's like, he's working. Like, he's got to, he's got to talk. He's got to give. That's I don't right. want to steal his men. It's like, whatever. And so I'm filming the day that his talk is. Haven't seen him yet. I Apparently he's in a flu in that morning and my phone rings. I'm like, look, and it's a number that I don't recognize. I answer it. It's someone who worked at the conference who's like, I'm with Casey right now. He says he's down to go on a run. That's what he that's that's what that phone that's what call the phone was. call said. What? Yeah, this guy named Matt who works like works for the company that put on the conference. He was with Casey and he's like, Casey says he'll run with you like now. And I was like I was like, Oh, oh my goodness, okay, it's happening. So I like what? ditched I ditched the conference, like my friend there that I was shooting it with. I was like, dude, like I gotta go. He's like, go do it. So I like ran over to the hotel, put on my, I, I joked and would like wear these uh, pink leopard tights yeah. in some of my videos just to not take myself too seriously. <laughs> nice. That's something that Tim Ferriss does. Like sometimes he says he wears goofy clothes so he yeah, never yeah. gets too serious about himself. So these pink tights were my version of that. And uh, I told myself That's if great. Casey ever says yes, I'm going to wear them running with Casey. So even running with someone that I look up to, I don't take myself too seriously. I'm not, I'm not trying to be cool. Like I don't want to fall into this mental thing. And uh so I run out of the hotel and here comes Casey running down the street and he was, uh, he was running with, um, the guy who gave me the phone call and basically it was like a baton pass. And I 
finished off the the rest of Casey's because he went on a massive run while he was there. Of course. And so I only did like the last half of it with him. But while we were on this run, we crossed down over this river. And I think Casey's still processing like who I, like what I'm about too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, but he was like way more chatty than I expected him to be. I thought he was going to like headphones on in the zone. Yeah. He's got to talk to give yeah. business mode. Yeah. It was just like, I was like, oh, Casey's really chatty. Like this is, this is fun. And we see on the river, there's this like surf thing where the water back eddies and guys were surfing in this river yeah. in Boise, Idaho. Yeah. And we stopped there and we're like, dude, that looks like a lot of fun. And like, I surfed a little bit. Obviously, Casey does surfing related things. And we were both, we were both kind of like, we could go out there and crush it. Like, like we could go out and hop on a board yeah. and like surf and like finish off this run. And so he's kind of like standing there and we're, I'm just like hoping someone recognizes the guy and offers a board. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this would be awesome doesn't happen and Casey, so we're like running back and Casey's like man I gotta expand my demographic in <laughs> in Boise Idaho and I mean we go back he goes to the hotel he's got a, a speaker dinner um, and I finished filming for the day and I was getting a clip for him for the conference and afterwards he was like man we should go surfing I was like dude if you go to the speaker dinner I'll go get boards and we can meet and go surf and he's like you serious I'm like I'm serious man and he's like, okay. And I'm like, meet me there. At, I think it was like, like eight o'clock or something like that. So I'm like, he leaves. Eight o'clock at dinner. night? Yeah, yeah. He leaves to dinner. And like, I mean, this is middle of summer. So the days are, are yeah. long-ish. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I got to find a board. Yep. <laughs> and like someone knew someone who knew someone. And I like called. I was like, can you guys stay open so I can come rent this stuff? And I turn up at the rental shop and I'm like trying to rent this gear. But he's like, no, we need to sign the waivers. So I, and still I don't have. Casey's not texting me. And so I told Casey we'd meet at the river. And so I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh man, this is such an interesting scenario. So like I eventually meet him at the river. I'm like, actually, we got to go around the corner to the surf shop. And like when he eventually, I was worried he wasn't going to show up. So I thought I was, because I mean, it's pretty low priority to just hang out with some guy you just met and surf. But like all everything lined up and we ended up with boards and wetsuits in the river. And it turns out it is, it's way more difficult than you'd expect to start like get onto the wave itself like the waves at the theme park you've got like a platform and you kind yep. of like ease into it and you got yeah. a thing to hold on to but this you literally like it's like a skimboard you throw it on and you hop on and you try go and so we we're like giving it our best effort i'm hanging out with someone that i've respected for so long and just, he ends up making a vlog about that and he pulls out his camera and starts vlogging and there's that moment where he's like hey levi hold the camera and i'm like this is awesome. I'm like, I'm helping Casey vlog. I'm like holding this camera that I've never touched before. Like I, I worried about the focus and all this crap, but I'm like, it's a Casey vlog. Like he'll figure it out. Like I'll yeah, just man. film it how I film it. Yep. And then at, there's at a certain point where I filmed his first attempt. He's like, dude, like go grab your board, hop in. And so like, just hanging out with Casey. And we're trying to figure out how to surf this thing. And I think there's, I mean, in hi hindsight, when you try to do a challenge with someone else, like, I mean, that's how relationships are formed when you like, try to do hard things. At the, so we ended up having like <laughs> getting our butts kicked. Like it was yeah. so hard. Yeah. In the vlog, he talks about that. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, this is difficult. Yeah. And I unexpectedly. So like we were both pretty confident and just, but we ended up both like uh, getting rides that were like, like at least we felt like we had done it. And yeah. that was like yeah, such yeah. a victory. And so the night finishes off and we go grab some pizza and, and I like had an afternoon hanging with Casey and it was like, it was so wild, dude. See, and then just even thinking about how, um, 
how Casey came across your video. So did somebody show him or? I think so. I don't even know. I haven't asked. And then he, <laughs> and then he just hit you up. That guy just. How yeah. Did, how through, did that through, guy? So the other guy at the because I was the video guy, got like it. he had my number. Information. Yeah. I love I love how you got to, like immediately you kind of got the first hand experience of how it is to work with Casey. Right. That that feeling of like, oh shit. I need to go do this stuff. How the fuck am I going to do this? Yeah. And then you just have to figure it out. I mean, that's been your daily life for the past how many years? Three and a half years, man. It's just like constantly. That's what he always says. is like, yo, man, you're smart. Uh, Figure it out. Yeah. And then just even hearing your story of, oh, now I need to come up with surfboards. And then there's a hurdle there. Like, oh, no, no, we need you guys to sign the waiver. And then wait, I don't have Casey's number. He's not calling me. Fuck. What am I going to do? Yeah. And then it's just like, that gave me like a little bit of anxiety and I'm like, yeah. oh, right away, Levi felt how it is to like work with this guy. Cause I feel like that, that, I mean, now having skipping ahead a bit, I've done some more stuff with Casey and there's a yeah. sense that like he is willing to trust you, but then you have to, you have to come up to the level that he's trusting you at. Yes. Like stuff goes wrong, but I, I was impressed by that. And also it's intimidating where it's, you want someone to believe in you and, and he's willing to trust you with something, but it's yeah. like, like you act you either are going to follow through or you're going to be someone who it's like okay whatever exactly and then he keeps it moving (laughs) yeah he keeps it moving so i mean we from that i ended up making a vlog and he had a vlog and uh going back home i think that's when he actually maybe looked at some of my other videos and realized that like okay this guy wasn't just a weird trying to hang out with me guy he actually like does filmmaking um and then i noticed he followed me on twitter and then i was kind of just like that's okay that's big man that's big like at that point, I was just beyond thrilled that I just got to spend time. Because I think when you have people that you respect from a distance, yeah, when you actually get to be in the same room as them, yeah, uh, it helps it become more real. Yeah, it's different. And either you realize that they're a complete douchebag, or you realize, hey, like this, this is the real deal, and yeah. like who they are is what they are. Yeah. Um, and so getting to see that with Casey, it's like he is who he says he is. Like he's yeah. he claims to have this work ethic, and it's like it's built into it. Like it is yeah. there. That work ethic is crazy. It's real. It's crazy. It's <laughs> it, crazy. It's, I, I don't have it, but he has it and it's real. And I like yeah. get to see it. It's like, whoa. So, so then how did you end up, how did you end actually, up at 368? Right. Cause then you ended up shooting the Sean Mendez stuff. Right. So from that point on, it was like everything I tweeted, I was like, man, this might come across his feed. I, I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Of course. <laughs> like, I mean, he's not following that many people. No, um, he's not. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't remember how much I actually tweeted, but it's like, I noticed a couple times, like if I posted a run, like Casey would pop the like on it. Yeah. It's like, okay. So Casey's aware that I exist. Yep. You have his He's, attention. Yeah. And I was, w- w- that can't be a bad thing if I'm trying to build a career in, in the video world. No, it's Casey Neistat. It's Casey Neistat. So I was just like, okay, like if there is a, a connection that will come, it will come. Yeah. And later in the fall, so we did the the run was in at the end of June. And so we're in the fall now and I'm out on a project and I get this direct message from Casey. On <laughs> Instagram or Twitter? On, on Twitter. Okay. And he's like, yo, man, what's your number? I was like, okay. Like, who knows what this is? And I just, I just, I try to be cool. And I just send back the number. <laughs> I'm just like waiting to find out what it is. And a couple of days later, my phone rings when I'm out with some friends and I'm like, can't quite hear because we're in the restaurant. He's like, hey, man, it's Casey. I'm like, what? He's like, it's Casey Neistat. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, sweet. And it's like, <laughs> uh, he's like, hey, like, I like what you do. We've got this event going on this weekend. 
I've been trying to figure out how to get you involved with 368. Do you want to come out and make a video about it? I mean, it's going to be pretty chill. It's not a big deal, but like I want I, I need an excuse to bring you down. And this seems like a good opportunity. It's not a big deal. And it's Sean Mendes. Yeah, I I'm, I'm hearing him say that. I'm just like, sure. Like, sure. Yo, he's great at just like, just saying things to like, you know, like convince people to, to just do stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like, he just plays things off. Like it's not anything. Not a big deal. Yeah. It's like, but it, to him, it's probably really not. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's just like, dude, it, this just has to get done. Yeah. That's how like he views it. And, it, and it's, it's always been fascinating to me. I'm just like, man, it doesn't seem like things really phase him. Right. Yeah. He's got a different perspective on things for sure. Yes, dude. Yes. Like he looks at things very differently. So, so then he hits you up. Yeah. And then connects me with Paul at three, six, eight. And next thing I know, I got flights booked for the next week and <laughs> coming down to going to New York for, that was only my second time in the city. And it was like, wow, and this then, is a, this is a trip. And then all of a sudden you're helping Casey shoot his vlog and you're in the yeah. studio and you're editing yeah. his videos and you're shooting a thing with YouTube music where Sean Mendes is involved. You meet <laughs> me and Patrick yeah. and we're painting the ceiling. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really cool to live out what I think is most people's like fantasies, maybe yes. a weird world word, yeah, but like, no, no, it is when they hear of three, six, eight, they want it. Like when it, the first day I was in three, six, eight, I just took a picture of the wall with like a little bit of the floor. Yeah. And like, almost everyone knew what it was They're like you're at three six like because i wasn't tweeting about it yeah i wasn't like being public about this thing yeah and it, i felt very fortunate for a time to be in a in the position that a lot of people would love to be in but see a lot of people would love to be in that position but a lot of people will not put the effort and right. and planning out a, a plan to somehow execute what they wish quote unquote right would happen Right, to like bring it into existence kind of thing. Exactly. And and it's just impressive to hear from the beginning of your story from fourth grade <laughs> that you've you've understood the value of planning. Which right. which I feel like again, adults that I know that are like like that have kids and grandchildren don't even plan properly. <laughs> like including myself, like I don't plan very well, you know right. what I mean? Like and right. just hearing you and how how that's gotten you to where you are is just crazy inspiring and it's making me understand more the importance of uh of planning and how you shouldn't really go about right. life drifting around and right going from point a to point d and not planning on doing that yeah my i've got a friend james clear who just released a book called atomic habits and he's got a, a visual metaphor in here that i just love and that's most people have really great goals. Like goals actually aren't the problem why people aren't achieving what they would like to achieve. So I wanted to be a runner for multiple years in a row. Um, other goals are like, I want a clean studio, yeah. but without fail, my studio is always a mess. It's like a disaster and it's a goal of mine to have it clean. Yeah. I would say it's an important goal. Yeah. I know why it's important. Yeah. I want to achieve it. Every two months or so, I frantically try to clean everything. Within 24 hours, it's the same. Yeah. And the problem there isn't the goal. It's a good goal. Yeah, it it's is. a really nice one. It is. Clean studio, good working environment. Yeah. It'll help me be more productive. Yep. It's worthwhile, but I'm not, I'm not getting there. And it's not the goal itself that's the problem. It's there's no process or plan to getting there. Yeah. 
if I had a mentality where every time I used a tool, it went back where the tool belongs. Yep. If everywhere, everything had a place where it belonged, That's right. that would actually allow it to, if I implemented that instead of these frantic cleaning sessions every two months, then we'd have a process that could achieve it. That's right. And I just love thinking about what we're trying to achieve that way is, okay, so you've got this picture in your head that you think is possible. How do you reverse engineer getting there? Yeah. And I mean, I'm fascinated that the thing that I came up with was, as a filmmaker who makes adventure videos, the thing I came up with was getting me getting in shape as a runner would be the maybe one of the most likely solutions to the how do I show Casey I respect him problem. Because yeah. if I look at that as a problem to solve, it's like, mm -hmm. how do I let Casey know that I like what he does and respect him? How do I do that in a way that's genuine? <laughs> like, wh why would a series of like running videos be? But like, I'm very... I'm very happy that that idea <laughs> crossed my mind because it's like it worked. It worked. It worked. Um, but I mean, a little aside on that. As I started this series, yeah. Um, that uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but some like BuzzFeed guy or something did his own video about can I run like Casey for yes, a week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he released that as I'm partway into my series, and. Uh, the Patreon guy releases his own meet with Casey video. And Dude. so suddenly all these videos are coming out like to meet Casey because three, six, eight's like now a thing. And I'm kind of yep. just like, Oh crap. Dude, that Patreon guy's video is so dope. Dude. It's amazing. It's what, like next it? level. Jack, Jack, Jack Conti. Conti. Yes. And so I watched Jack Conti's story get played out and like he goes and meets Casey yeah. and I started to just feel like, dang it. Like I'm now, <laughs> my idea doesn't feel as original anymore. Yeah. Like trying to meet Casey, but it was like, Hey, I'm going to see it through. And, uh, and that's important. Yeah. That's important. But that other guy was such a good runner. Like he ended up doing like <laughs> a Casey week for a whole week. Like yeah, he did yeah, 50 yeah. miles in a week. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. Dude, uh, I, I couldn't help but like laugh in my head of, about your, uh, you, you bringing up the fact that you wanted your studio to be clean. Because I remember one of the first questions that stuck out to me when, uh, when, when I first met you was like, right how does Casey keep his studio clean? And then, and then me and Patrick were like, cause I used to be Casey. Well, cause I met you guys in the basement Yes. and I was like, and you, you I was just hanging around and you guys were like, like, so what brought you here? I was like, Oh, I'm this. And like, and I, who are you guys? And you're like, yeah. I'm the manager of three, six, eight. And I'm the studio manager. And I used to be his yeah. studio. And I was going like, Oh, like you guys are the guys that like yes. run this, like behind yes. the scenes. Yes. I was like, and I had so many questions at that yeah. point. And, and I love that the first one of your first questions was like, how does he keep it so clean? And we're like, oh, that's us. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, it makes sense. I knew it. I knew there had to be somebody. And I was like, yep, that's us, dude. It's us. Like, I mean, it's someone like Casey. That's a really smart decision to have someone no. clean up because there's so much pack. Like, it just makes so much sense. Dude, it, it's amazing where um, how Casey has a setup is like, dude, he goes there and he does what he needs to do and he doesn't worry about anything else. Yeah. And then that's that's the job of the studio manager. I mean, because like, he went through having to worry about everything else. Exactly. Exactly. He, he paid his dues. Yes. And know? then that that's that's exhausting of your time. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. exhausts your time. And at this point, Casey's time is so his best resource. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so then like he's maximized that to the point where like some people would maybe think it's like uh, demeaning or 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 offensive. I'm to, too like, good for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like no man he needs to be creating and he doesn't want to stop when he's tapped into the quote unquote ether. You know what I mean? Of like that creativeness. Cause any little small thing could just snap you out of that. Right. Like, fuck, where's, where's this? Right. 
oh, I need to clean up. Oh, fuck. I don't want to do that. And then all these other things start entering your mind as opposed to that could be that effort and mind space could be used towards making something else. Yeah. And so like, I just found it funny that you brought up the wanting to keep your studio clean. I was yeah, just like, yeah. oh, dude, you need, you need a man. You need a manager for your studio. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> wait for the day that I can bring someone in to help me. Like I love creating plans and, and stuff, but like my yeah. organizational skills yeah. and my, uh, my cleaning skills are very low. I love having a place for things, but I'm very, it's very tough to get them back. Yeah. But I live in the chaos. So like the, when you live with someone else and things get moved around, like that was very disorienting for me. Yeah. Where suddenly like, cause I knew where I put stuff, but like it just, it's a mess. Yeah. And so if something got moved, I would like, my brain would have to go, Oh no. And suddenly I realized there was a basket that cables were being put in which makes so much sense, but I had no idea. And yeah. so I remember I was just laughing because my, my wife was putting cables in a basket and I, it makes so much sense, but I was like, how am I losing my cable? Like, I just couldn't figure it out. I'm like, where are they going? It's like insanity. Like yeah, you yeah. you're going crazy. Yeah. And let's be real. Like if Casey tomorrow really wanted to make a video and everyone was gone and the studio was a mess and he wanted to film it in the studio, he'd clean the studio. Of course. Like he would do it. Of course. But like on a given day, it's like remove as many barriers as possible. Exactly. Because exactly. it is so much work. It is That's making the... a video. Like I can't. Oh, it's... Dude, it's a. It's... I did daily for a month. Oh man, it's hard. Yeah, I can't. It's I like can't... next level. Yeah, it's, it's dude. The editing part is what would get me. Yeah. Because like, not the, to me, shooting is always easier, the easiest part, and then editing and choosing music is, choosing music is the most uh, difficult part for me. Time consuming because yeah. I'm like fuck, like the music drives so much of it. And it affects your editing and how you're gonna, how you're gonna cut your your video. Do you does he does he have someone help curate music? Nope. That's amazing. Nope. That's all him. Because he knows which artists like he's like because you'll see like when he says like music mixed by or whatever yeah. like you'll notice like obviously themes and yeah. Someone made a great YouTube video tracking down one of those people that has made remix music for Casey. Oh, that's dope! I didn't. Yeah, I can't remember what the video is titled, but it was one of the, there's a female artist, I feel so bad that I forget her name, but she has made like, uh, like kind of these trip hop remixes of classic Dope. songs where she like will sample some of those like vintage sounding vocals yeah, yeah. from like old, old tracks and, and someone like did an interview with her about that style of music because Casey has kind of like carved out a way to pair visuals with a certain yep. vibe of music yep. in a way that most people weren't before. Yeah. Um, so, so I, that was fascinating. Did you notice like a, a big jump in like your subscriber follower count after after being introduced and working right. with Casey? Okay, so I, I did get a little nerdy about this. <laughs> uh, so it, I, it depends how, how down the rabbit hole I go with it. Um, but I mean, inevitably as a filmmaker, when Casey would ever plug someone else in videos, that you want to know how that's working for the person that he's plugging. Because you're like, I mean... I mean, even in the first day of like him plugging like Sarah Dietschy or something like that, dude, it's like, whoa, that made a, like a big impact at that time. Gigantic. And the cool part was, is that she had a piece of content that would draw people in. Yeah. So there was like a connection over. Now um, she's in the same building. Yeah. Do you know what is, I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's so cool. She's in the same building and now they have like a whole squad that's like doing their own thing. It's crazy. But anyway, continue. And so... I had kind of seen it happen both ways where someone was in a video with Casey 
And there's, so, I mean, you can get a little nerdy about it, but like the difference between having a link in the description and just having yeah. the channel ID at the end, like yeah, yeah. that makes a difference. Big if it's difference. just ID at the end, it actually doesn't do much, but link in the description, like it does. Not everybody makes it to the end of the video. Not everyone makes it to the end of the video. Yep. And, and so I was thinking about those things and I observed like a couple, so what I noticed, what makes the biggest impact for people that, uh, so if someone's in a video of Casey's, what makes the biggest impact is Casey directly saying to the viewer, Hey, go follow this person. Yes. Um, and to be very clear, like having Casey say that about me ever was never like, I didn't set that as what would be a goal because mm -hmm. I didn't like, it's just, that's such a silly goal to set because there's such a small fraction of a chance that that would happen that I'm like, I'm setting myself up to be bummed out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas the running thing, if I do the running thing either way, I still walk away in shape and an awesome series of videos. Exactly. So it's still a win. Definitely. So all of that to say, I noticed if someone's just in his video, even a link in the description, it doesn't make like a earth shattering impact on the channel. Um, it gets some traffic for sure, but it's mm -hmm. not massive. Mm -hmm. and so I noticed that some of the people that he would link in the, de in the description, if they were just in the video, it'd be like maybe three to 5,000 subs in yeah. that, in that window around when it was uploaded. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's what I experienced when I helped with some of his videos. So I ended up helping with, so around the running challenge, I helped his vlog. And so he linked me down below cause I gave him some drone footage and helped film. Yeah. And so that I think was like a three to 5,000 subscriber bump. Nice. Which is great. Hell yeah. Um, and then, uh, later he ended up doing mail time and opening the box that I sent him. And that's where, <laughs> so that's where for the first time, I think he had actually watched a maybe seen a few more of my videos. And that's where he actually said like, Levi's a great guy. And he put up a picture of me in the video and link in the description again. And so that was like another three to 5,000. Um, I mean, I think from the outside, people expect like you're in a Casey video, suddenly you get a hundred K and it's like, it's not the case. good to go. What was pleasantly surprising was the content that I made itself was the biggest driver towards subscribers. Of course. That's, that's what it is. I feel like a lot of people will always think that you just getting a shout out is going to like catapult you into something right. and it might, but what's going to have the viewers stick and really stay with you is your, your content. It's yeah. all about your content. That's, that, that's like the substance, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, I mean, Casey put me on to Marquez and yeah. I, I followed Marquez cause the content's great. Yep. And there's been other people that Casey has done videos with that I haven't ended up following just cause the content's not what I'm consuming. Exactly. And you're just not into it. So that, that ended up being massively encouraging where in a 28 day period around the end of the challenge, I had a few videos come out and they were, I mean, they, they performed well on YouTube in part because it, it had Casey either in the title or in the thumbnail, yeah. like people who like Casey would go, Oh, Hey, what's this? Yeah. But then YouTube rewarded because people actually watched all the way through. Yeah. So then that's what kind of helped them rise up. And I ended up in that period from those videos, I gained 28,000 in 28 days. That was the number. So 28,000 subscribers in a 28 day period. So now what's your subscriber count on YouTube? Uh, we just passed a hundred. Congratulations, dude. Thank you. Congratulations. Like number wise, that's the only number that I set. Yeah. Um, and I'd always kind of thought. Congratulations what? on that then, man. Dude, yeah. that, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And I mean, the running series ended up being a big part of that where I ended up 
I think I finally made something that people found kind of more interesting and like worthy of following, yeah, not yeah, just yeah. like a one-off. And uh, I told myself after I hit a hundred, I would look at what it would take to maybe try to do like YouTube as the main thing. Yeah. Cause right now I, I pay to make YouTube videos myself. Like I, it's just my own time and money. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I, yeah. I mean, till a hundred thousand, I'd never done a brand deal. Um, I like, I'm not making money from my YouTube videos is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't have ads turned on. Like it's not. Dude, turn them on. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so for me, like once I hit a hundred, that's where for the first time I'm actually looking at, can I scale back the client work I'm doing and find ways to, to focus on YouTube as like the main thing. And before I don't know if I wanted that, but now I'm realizing that might be my creative out. So before mm. when I wanted an, uh, a series on name the, the network, mm-hmm. I'm not going to name a network because I don't want that network to then not fund yeah, my yeah. series Netflix. Yeah, if you yeah, want me to yeah. make a series, I, I'll consider it. Uh, you can talk to my manager. Um, but I'm realizing now the bigger opportunity is just funding your own stuff and putting it on YouTube. Like yeah. I'm realizing that actually is more of what the... Because if I make a series for a big network, there's going to be a level of stress in that that yep. I'm not sure I actually care to have. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. Like, don't get course, me wrong. Because that seems like a career-making type thing, but... I'm realizing now if I can find a way to fund my own projects that are like these amazing storytelling that I I think are amazing and no one else has to. Yep. And I think that there's an audience for it and it doesn't have to perform well. There's no sponsor that needs to be happy. Yeah. That to me seems like the dream. Yes. So that's what I'm, that's what I want to be able to do. And I'm realizing YouTube should be the home for that. So maybe focusing on YouTube's okay. Dude, you're well on your way, bro. Yeah. I hope so. No, this is the year where where we get to find out. Like, can I can I do YouTube as like the thing I do? I need to finish some client projects first, but we're close. Dude, that's uh that's an exciting that's an exciting thing. Everything that just your whole thing, dude, that's fucking great. Thanks, man. I love it. It's fun being able to actually like walk through it. I forget to be grateful at the different stages. And yeah. so this like it just reminds me of like uh how much I've, how much I've learned and how many little experiences have brought me to where I'm at today. And I reflecting, man, yeah. it's, it's good to reflect. It's good to reflect. It's and it's good for the soul. And that's why I, like, I, I, I really enjoy this kind of format for, for, for content because one, I love hearing people's stories because mm-hmm. everybody has a story. Everybody yeah. does. And when, when do you really get a time to speak? I don't even know how long we've been recording. I maybe like two hours, but when do you get a chance to sit down with somebody and speak with them uninterrupted for two hours? It's it's not common at all. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I don't do that. I, I don't, I don't do that unless I'm here. And then I, I get to meet and, and talk to very, very interesting people. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, it makes me take a step back too and realize like, dude, I'm in the lucky, I'm in a great position where, like very fortunate that like, like I said, all of a sudden I'm talking to you on a, on a podcast and it's just like a lot of that is because of, of, uh, Mr. Neistat too. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. being involved in, in this crazy fucking in endeavor that he has right with, with his ridiculous ambition. But yeah, man, I mean, so the last thing I've, I've seen from you is that you did a, you're doing a workshop. Yeah. So, I mean, Technically, to get specific, like that's been my business model. Dope. It's why I've seen 
putting a disproportionate amount of effort into YouTube being worthwhile. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why essentially I've worked like two full-time jobs for the last handful of years trying to build the YouTube audience. Yeah. Um, is because I, so I noticed one thing happened when I put out my film untethered, mm -hmm. uh, the first like thing that I released, I got so many questions. And so, I mean, I wanted to answer them and I noticed that people love helpful content. And so, yes, with all these questions that I was getting, I started trying to chip away at answering some of them. Uh, and I realized like, man, if, if I could assemble this together in a way, if I could just have more time to truly do justice to this, uh, this could be really helpful for some people. Not everyone, but the people that like the way I make videos yep. and want to learn from me personally, yep. I could make them something that would save them so much time and so much, so much angst of trying to figure it out on your own and actually maybe give you some of the, the process that you could start implementing right away for making a great story. Instead of fiddling around for five years, you could maybe implement it earlier. And right there, you're already, you're creating like your, your, your niche. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, and then like you, you're, you're creating the, uh, the, uh, the crowd for it. Right. And then you're just gonna, you're gonna deliver because those people are, are definitely interested in how to make it in this space. Do you know what I mean? Right. And like, like you said, there's, there's a lot of obstacles that you went through mm -hmm. and that information is valuable. It's intimidating making a paid thing at first. Of course. Of but course. I'm realizing, and the people who are consuming it, like, if they, I wonder how many times I've said like, I just realized that I've said it a couple times now. I've, I've probably been just so into the conversation that I've said it a bunch. Uh, but if if people realize that the, it's an investment for the material, yeah, what that helps to show is, hopefully the material was made with intentionality and, and quality and attention to detail. Um, and if so the hope is, well, obviously I, the effort to make this course, it was substantial. So in order for that to end up being worth it, like some financial return is definitely of course necessary and yes. helpful to even have paid to make it. Yeah. Uh, but then also I know that if people invest in this, they'll take it more seriously. Yeah. Cause I put out videos sometimes that have, frankly, some great advice. Some people don't even finish watching because yep. their investment level is, oh, this is just another YouTube video. Yeah. But if this is a course that they actually have to pay for, yeah. hopefully they're at a stage where they're ready to take it a touch more seriously. And then what that means is my mission of trying to change their journey is closer to being accomplished because they're actually yeah. going to implement it. Hopefully, hopefully that's the hope. So that's, that's my actual, I don't want to, I actually don't want to be like, that's why I say 100K was my goal on YouTube because this concept of being now like a, a, a the, the top figure in a field on YouTube is much less appealing because now I've gotten to see some of the negatives that go along with that. Yes. And I realized, man, like serving a thousand people with a course that's made yep. just for them yep. is an incredibly large amount of people. Yeah, man. Um, but also very fulfilling. Yeah doing the one-on-one -on -one small team workshop stuff in person has been some of my more uh, rewarding experiences because I, I love that one-on-one -on -one kind of connectedness. So now I'm way less concerned on any kind of growth on YouTube and it's more of just how can we use this to continue to make it feel like something special and helpful. Dude, a hundred thousand is a lot. It's too many. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's too many. But like the truth is, is not 100,000 watch yeah. the videos. So yeah, it, yeah. so that's where it's more like 
five to 10,000 watch a yeah. given upload unless the YouTube algorithm yeah. kind of feeds it to more people. But dude, you're, you're well on your way, man. And like we were talking about, or like I brought up earlier that people get so obsessed with like the high, the higher tiered creators yeah. that like, no man, there's a huge market in the quote unquote lower tier, but yeah. it, there's, 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 there's a lot of potential there that people I feel like don't, don't, uh, don't think about. There's an essay that I recommend people go read, but it's called a thousand true fans. It's the concept that as an artist, as a creative, you actually only need a thousand people to be like your true fans in order to make it monetarily work. Yeah. So as as a singer songwriter, you only need a thousand people that are really hyped to spread the energy around your CD release and your tour. And from that you can do it as your thing. And that, has been kind of like my beacon from the start of like, don't lose sight of that. Like if you're making it more complicated, uh, this concept of trying to make money while making your art, uh, you're probably overcomplicating it. And to this point, I kind of have, because I've been so split focus of running my business, running YouTube, making original films, trying to do education, uh, I've been a little split focus. And I think, I think it's probably true that I could have gone full time earlier if if I wasn't trying to do as much. Um, but now here I am recognizing that in the past and now having a new opportunity to go, Hey, can we make this work? And I think I would like to, (laughs) I'd like to go full time this year on YouTube. I think that would be great. And just see, see what we can do because there's so much I want to make. Dude, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Thanks Miguel. Yeah, dude. I think that's a great place to end it. It's, I don't even know how long we've been recording, but find out. Yeah, please. So Levi, where can people find you, man? Levi Allen. Just Google it. Levi Allen. L-E-V-I-A-L-L-E-N. Does that say how long? It's a number that I can't understand. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) It's like measures or bars or something. (laughs) Levi, thank you for being on the podcast, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. It really makes a difference. Um, Also, make sure to follow Levi and check out his videos. Uh, All of his information is going to be in the description of this podcast. And also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Yeah, for updates on the podcast. And thanks again for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Bye.